Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christoginia Saturdays. Today is Saturday, August 17th, 2011. And this evening I, I have a, um, well, well, a special guest because it's something that I usually don't do. And now I'm doing it two weeks in a row. I'm really not an interviewer. I never claim to be. I'm rather an expounder of ancient history and biblical history. But but here I am. And I started using some of Carolyn Yeager's work in the series that I've been doing for with Sword Brethren on Sunday nights in, in what I like to call the Mein Kampf series that we've been doing. And we've been expounding a lot of World War II history and, and the activity of the Jews in Europe, the secret societies, the Jesuits, using um, Nesta Webster and a lot of other sources. And, and the Barnes Review is often a source that I use for Adolf Hitler and World War II. And Carolyn Yeager's articles have been a large part of my sources there, especially when we discussed um, Operation Barbarossa and Val- Operation Valkyrie late late this summer, or, or around midsummer. I'm sorry. So tonight I have Carolyn Yeager here. Carolyn Yeager's websites are www.carolynyeager.com and www.eliweaseltattoo.com. And those websites are linked on the front page of Christogenia or on the front page of the My Comp Project at Christogenia right now. They will remain linked with this podcast. Carolyn's done a lot of excellent work in exposing, well, and she's one of the people who does a lot of excellent work in exposing the the hollow hoax that the um the lie the big lie the holocaust which is a big lie and and also particularly Eli Weasel and and his fraudulent claims to have been a holocaust victim Cowan's also done a lot of work with um with with the, the work, the writings in, in German of figures like Hermann Giesler and, and bringing them into English for us and presenting them in Barnes Review articles and, and a lot of other good revisionist history concerning World War II and World War II figures. Hello, Carolyn. I'm happy to have you here. Hello, Bill. You know, this is the best introduction I have ever gotten <laughs> anywhere, and it certainly is uh, a thousand times better than the last show I was on, which was... I will go into that later, maybe, which was not even an introduction. So there you are. You you did a ma- magnificent job. Thank you. <clears throat> and it's nice to be here. Well, thank you. That was um, off the cuff, by the way, but that's okay. <laughs> well, I sounded uh-huh. like it, but, you know, you, you covered everything. Well, well, tell us, well, well, how did you, let's start out with, with some basic stuff so that the audience here, the people that listen to my programs can learn a little more about you. How did you come into World War II revisionism and, and to be the exposer of frauds like Eli Weasel that you've become? Uh, if you don't that, mind me asking that. I mean, you can well, give it to us in a no, nutshell. No, I, I don't mind you asking. You know, the truth is I never think about that question. And when I'm asked it, I'm not prepared for it. I have to think, well, uh, and then my tendency is to, when I start explaining uh, how I get into this, next thing I know I'll go into so many details and I'll cover, you know, I'm telling my entire life story, which is not the point. So I'm going to try to be, <laughs> be brief here and say, let's see, how did I get into it? You know, oh, I know, uh, the way that I really started 
was through was in 1997, I read The Creature from Jekyll Island, which um, is a book about the Federal Reserve, you know, the, the creation of the Federal Reserve. That's The Creature. I don't know if you know that book, but it's pretty well known. Oh, I'm, I, I never read the book, but I'm very familiar with that and with the story, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, I had, uh, you know, during that time, whatever was happening financially and so on, well, always there's, were, if, you, if you have any anything at all invested, you have to, you know, and I'm a worry wart about money, I, terrible. And so uh, I was always, uh, I was listening to some things. And that's when gold started being promoted a lot. And so uh, I was listening to these things, programs. And that's probably when I first listened to RBN, but I don't know if I listened to RBN then or not. No, probably not. I don't know who I was listening to. But um, I I uh, heard about that book, so I went to the library and ordered that book uh, from, you know, how they order the books up from another library. And I got that book, and I read it, and it made a big impression on me uh, because it's very well written, and it's very clear what a fraud had taken place and, uh, and that the, the Jews were behind it. And it was still going on, and the whole thing, you know. So that's kind of how I got started. But it wasn't until uh, 2004, the end of 2004, that uh, I met. Uh, I was introduced to a man who was uh, very much into the right-wing truth movement, and that's where I was introduced to RBN and uh, GCN or whatever that other program, that other network was, is, um, and. Uh, American Free Press and stuff, and he would copy, uh, he was copying these, uh, um, you know, video cassettes of uh, 9-11 truth uh, videos that had been put out. And there are three or four of them then, and one of them was Alex Jones, and another, the one that I think made the best impression on me was In Plain Sight by that fellow, I can't think of his name right now. Anyway, um, so I looked at I looked at the first one and I was just amazed, you know. But I thought, can this be true, you know? But I was very disillusioned with politics after because it was um, at, it was the end of the uh, that 2004 presidential campaign. And then after the after that was over and Bush was reelect was elected reelected, um, then I got uh, following all that 9/11 truth stuff. And from that, I moved into uh, Holocaust, World War II, and uh, revisionism in general. That, and I got more interested in that over time than in the 9/11 truth. And that's that's my real field now. And at the same time, I was I um, was uh, quit. I didn't have to work anymore around that time, and so I was devoting more and more time to the internet and to learning and reading all this stuff. And, you know, and when I think back where I was then and so many things that I believed and would fall for, which I would not today, you know, I have to do that in order to not get a disgusted kind of, I shouldn't use that word, but with people today for not understanding what's going on. Because I think, well, they have plenty of time. <laughs> Why do they still not get this stuff right? But... um you know, unless you're really focusing on it, you, it, it's hard to do. Well, well, nine eleven has has woken quite a few people up to 
the treachery of the Israelis, of the Jews. And, and um, it's brought a lot of people to Christian identity. And, and not all of the people that have woken up with 9-11 to Jewish treachery have made it this far, of course. But a lot of them are now examining a lot of the other things that the Jews have been connected with throughout history. And the Holocaust is the next logical step because they basically created a new world religion. We worship the Jews, and, and Jewish supremacism is the only racial supremacism that's become acceptable in, in the mainstream, but which is absolutely incredible. And, and the Jews preach um, at everywhere except for themselves. They preach multiculturalism and diversity, and, and no race is supreme, and... and um, it's evil and racist to think that your race is better than any other race unless it comes to Judaism and, and the Jewish race. And, and they are a religion and a race. And, and Jewish supremacism it has become basically the religion of the New World Order. If we look at what the Protestant churches in America have become, they basically all become worshippers of the enemies of God. It, it's really incredible. And, and these people are treacherous and, and they have controlled our media for a hundred years. They've controlled our media ever since we've allowed them to control our economy through the events which transpired at Jekyll Island. And, and with well, that, they, they've been yeah. able to permeate our entire media and, and control the political argument and, and the public discourse throughout our entire society. You're right, and I agree with you, and, and it is amazing, and it has to be in the big lie uh, uh, category that that they get away with it because they, uh, you know, people people have trouble believing that they could really be people would, could some group of people, and certainly the Jews who have this great reputation for Judaism being some kind of a wonderful religion that started, you know the oldest one and the you know the one that they all came out of and all of that stuff that people believe and uh, it really well, is well, that's amazing a lie, what well I know I I know but people believe all this and and uh, it's hard to dislodge this you know right now I'm I'm at uh, I'm not at home I'm I'm house sitting dog sitting for some friends who uh, who have become friends because of my sitting for them and they have two darling little little dachshunds who are so good and one of them's in here right now and they uh but they are so they're so dear such dear people and uh they're german people well he's german i don't know she's probably part um they not that they speak german or anything but you know the background and uh, but they are so into their christian church and it's pro-zionist you know it's and i you know i they 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 have heard me say a few things here and there that kind of kind of and I see them kind of looking at me but they like me so much so they won't you know they they don't question and we just we don't go into it because I know you know you know I can I can with strangers I can just come right out and shock people and so on I don't seem to care but when it's people I know who are who are such nice people you know I I don't I'm not going to destroy uh the relationship, and it's not going to do any good because they just can't. Well, well right, totally but if they would only, 
if they would only open their Bibles and read them and believe their Bibles. Well, they might be more open to Christian identity if they would ever get introduced to it. But right. you know, I'm sure they haven't been. You know, they're, um, but the, the Jews, the people that call themselves Jews today, are the descendants of the enemies of God who exclaimed of Christ that his blood will be upon us and our children. These Christian Zionists are looking for a future antichrist, and the Apostle John tells us in his epistles, in two of his epistles, that those who deny that Jesus is the Christ, they are the antichrist. And he tells us that many antichrists have been born. And he tells us, speaking of Judea, that they came out from us, but they were not of us. And, and it's very clear in the histories of Josephus, in the writings of Paul of Tarsus, who calls the Jews contrary to all men, the enemies of all mankind, he, he, that these people are the Edomites and Canaanites of the Old Testament. That can be proven in the histories of Josephus, in the, the geography of Strabo, in, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, if Christians would believe their Bible and not that their um, 501c3 pastor, they might get somewhere with, with the Jewish question, and they might understand why um, the Christian nation of Germany was destroyed when it tried to exclude the Jew from its society. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's my opinion that you can, we can see this from your angle or from a, a not, we also see it if, if we're not coming from a Christian identity angle. I mean, well, well, it's it should obvious be, right? what the Jews have done. And absolutely, and absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're history's most treacherous people. They have been a crime ring which, which has operated for 8,000 years. And, and, and it's, that they're very traceable for the last 2,000 years, that they could be traced down through history, mm-hmm. and, and they are behind all of the great treacherous acts which have come upon our people. They took over but, the You know, there's the, the, uh, the left-wing teaching that uh, you can't lump people together has taken hold so well, even among white nationalists and, and all these whites who profess to be want to strengthen the white people so they don't, we don't uh, uh, become extinct and so on yet they they can't go there either most of them they are they can't say the jews as a whole they have to find good jews they have to say well you know it's not all jews and they have to make all these distinctions which to me i'm sorry to have to say it i mean it sounds reasonable what they're saying but it just doesn't work that way and so it has to be all or nothing well well, Uh, i I, I've never, I have not seen 250 pogroms of Poles in European history. Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't seen, <laughs> I, I haven't seen the the, the, um, the Greeks thrown out of 250 different nations in Europe. No. Yeah, yet the Jews. Yeah, that see, well, been... nobody does that. Well, but they're, you know, then then they come back with, well, the the uh, the Jews were forced out of Palestine. And then they were forced into this, um, the, this um, what's it? What's it? No, I can't come up with the word. That you know, they're 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 wandering all over the world, and and it's not their fault. Oh heck, they wouldn't go back. I, isn't it true that when they were in um, in uh, in Persia, 
uh, Babylon that they could they could have gone back then to uh, to where they well, came. Well, I don't count those people, but as they didn't want right? to. Well, that's I don't, right. No, you don't count them. That's see, that's the difficulty. Well, uh, well, the people that returned from the the Hebrew nation was a white nation, and yeah, that could be yeah, established. That that could be fully established in ancient history, and and that's my area, right? And and I'm not bragging. I'm I'm just I believe what I do because of my studies in the classics, and not in spite of them. Yeah. And, and I understand okay. that a, a, a lot of um. Well, I'm like these Christian Zionists. I have a hard time adjusting my thinking to something new, <laughs> because uh, you know, to me, the, these are all these are all the stories of the Jews, and and, and I, I find it very well. Very well, no, that's, that's entirely... which you know to uh, to say, oh, these these were really my people. This was this was right. us. Well, well, so were the Persians. The Persians were white. The Hebrews were white. The Jews, the 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 people that we know as Canaanites and Edomites who mixed with a lot of our people to become the people that we know as Jews today. Josephus was a classical historian as well as a Judean himself. And, and he explained that except for the circumcision, you wouldn't have been able to tell the difference between Judean and Greek. And, and he, he, um, he, he wasn't just shooting his mouth off. He, he had put that in, into a very historical context of, of certain events in Palestine in the first century B.C. that, that um, he had no reason to, to fib about and, and no political acts or religious acts to grind. And, and there's many other descriptions of ancient Judeans which are extant and, and proofs of um, cognate languages and cultures among Hebrews and Greeks. I, I can prove that the Greek culture and the Hebrew culture are very much alike at their well, oldest but then why point. did they institute the circumcision? Was that the uh, the white Hebrews, or was that? Well, well, yes, that would have been white Hebrews. Yes, it was. But the Egyptians also practiced that same that had that same practice. Well, do you recommend that today? Do I? No, I don't recommend it today from a religious or from a, a, a um, natural viewpoint. Okay. Right, but it was it was implemented in the Old Testament for religious reasons. And I, I accept that, but, but I wouldn't practice it today, and we are not bound to practice it as Christians. When, it, when did this uh, switch take place that the people who we call the Jews um, took Well, well it took place the when the Edomites had infiltrated, and, and they had infiltrated ancient Judea, but they infiltrated Judea after the return from, from Babylon. In um, one, approximately 130 B.C., John Hyrcanus, who was one of the Maccabees, went out and conquered all the Edomites and surrounding Canaanites and forced converted them into Judaism. What, what I could only call Judaism because it was already a perversion of the ancient Hebrew religion. And, and it's an obvious perversion because the ancient Hebrew religion would have precluded Canaanites and Edomites. Where, where the Maccabees were including them at this time, and forcibly. And this happened in 130 B.C. It's recorded in Josephus. If we go to Strabo, book 16 of his geography, we will see that Strabo explains that the Edomites, the Edomians, as they're called in, in Greek, and, and the Hebrews, the, the Ju Judeans, all lived together in Judea and were all mingled with each other, according to Strabo. 
So, so these things are, are provable in history, and that is the, the cause of contention in the gospel accounts, and, and that's the cause of the division over Christ. Well, you know, uh, I will never, I will never become a scholar on that, you know, along those lines, and I will never learn all that. Uh, what what has motivated me really is once I got into the uh, Holocaust and uh, World War II and National Socialist issues, and found myself confronted with a desire in me or a feeling that there was truth there, and it was very shocking to me because you know i was so uh had been so uh indoctrinated in uh you know in these general viewpoints of 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 americans that i just thought how can you possibly you can't possibly go there carolyn you can't possibly think such things you you know that's just totally out outside of the bounds of of everything you know you you couldn't possibly uh but i just kept <laughs> i just kept doing it and i found that the people who were who are expounding that were I liked better and sounded more intelligent and made more sense to me than than the ones who are arguing against it and uh and then I that brought me to meet uh quite a few German people uh rather just German heritage or actually people who were born in Germany and you know were born uh close to it and German speaking and so on and I got uh connected to my my German uh, heritage because I am 100% German heritage and so uh, it, so for, it's like with you well the comparison I want to make is that that's as far back as I go that I am my my uh, identification as German but I I don't feel that I want to go all the way back to my identification um, you know in the beginning I guess. Well, uh, well, let's from the Germans have to come from somewhere, right? <laughs> so well, that's um, <laughs> at, at the time of Abraham, there were no Germans, right? That there were yeah, some white right. Aryan tribes who had migrated into and through Germany. There's no doubt, but there there weren't any Germans as we know them. But that's okay. No, I, I'm not. You know, we we all have our own role in life, and and I'm not going to expect you to become a a Christian identity scholar or even an adherent. You, you can live and practice a, a wonderful Christian life without being a a, a Christian in name, and and your work with, with the Jews in World War II has, has stood for itself. I mean, it's been very good, and, and you're still we're still on on the same side, whereas we're working against the same common enemy. Who, who's the enemy of all mankind? It always has been. I mean, these people are the Antichrist. Well, and, that's and what they, I like. I like about uh, why why I like uh, hearing you more and more is that you are very comprehensive. And you you have everything tied together, all you know, and you really do. And most people don't, and most people have lots of contradictions. Well, we know the Jews are the biggest people, full of contradictions, and nothing <laughs> nothing really goes together in what they say. But, the world's uh, original history, you know, who who uh, who are trying to say this or that, and uh, and and it's full of holes. And uh, you you have really got a a, a, a close and a tight. Uh, uh, well, worldview that that works, and so well, that, well I try, and I appreciate you noticing that. It, it's um, yeah. it, it's I've studied all of history, and and my world outlook is built on my study of history, and not vice versa, right? A lot of people look to history to justify their opinions, 
and and I understand that we have to um, look to history to formulate our opinions, not to justify them. There's a big difference. Well, how you you are you know you uh, I when I first knew of you and and read some of your stuff or heard of you or what whatever, um, I had no idea you were such a scholar. And when well, I did not. learn that, I was I was impressed by that. When did you start all this? I'm a tenth I'm grade dropout. You. <laughs> I'm a tenth grade dropout. I went to prison. I had two wives and six kids, and and went to prison for twelve years and sat like a hermit in the monastery and read books for twelve years. So that's how you educated yourself. Yes, ma'am. I've often thought that wouldn't be too bad because I, I I've always been a person who thought if I could just be left alone and allowed to just read and study. You know, and have whatever I needed provided for me, which wasn't wouldn't be very much that I needed. I would be so happy instead of having to go out and uh, you know earn a living or involve myself with a lot of people for one reason or another. Um, and uh, well, now I'm the closest to that that I've ever been. So although I've always done a lot of reading, so it's not the worst thing in the world. To uh, I don't think I'd like being in prison. I'm sure you didn't like it, but you did gain a lot from it, didn't you? Well, right. There are better places. <laughs> there are better places to study than a room full of five hundred screaming Negroes. But, oh, but, um, but, but yes, have a quiet, oh, so you didn't have a quiet, solitary cell. Oh no, where you could no, have no, your ma'am. books stacked up. Oh God, I couldn't. I I couldn't handle it. You must have learned a lot of. Uh, a, a, well, oh, you learned patience and temperance. On. I, I yeah. don't think I display my patience and temperance, but you do learn it. <laughs> mm. It's, it's um yeah yeah it's it's a unique environment that's for sure but I, I made I read as much as I could I I taught myself um how to read Coin Greek. Oh, that's quite impressive. So well, you have to be basically very intelligent, which anybody can tell. I mean, not not anyone could could have or would have spent their time the way you did. Well, I wouldn't claim that, but that's okay. Okay, we, we've um, we've covered a lot of common ground these these last few months or, or years maybe. I mean, I've been doing the World War II thing. I, I do it as a um, I don't consider myself a Second World War scholar, and, and I'm not. My reading has been limited. I've read most of the Barnes reviews for the last ten years, except that I haven't had time to read the last two years worth. I really haven't. But but I, I've um. Oh, that's when I was in there. I've read Mein Kampf, and I've read Mein Kampf very deeply and carefully. It was on purpose. It, it was by design the last book that I read in prison, and um, I, I was happy that I did that because it was a lot better read than I even ever imagined. And, and Adolf Hitler, and, and my being a um, Christian identist and aware of the treachery of the Jews for the last 2,000 years, Adolf Hitler, every word he said in Mein Kampf, just resonated with me, and, and I'm also proud of my um, basically half German heritage. Right, my mother's English. I go to bed at night beating myself up, um, argue with myself. No, I'm kidding. That, that's a joke. No. Well, well, um, yeah, yeah. I have German heritage too, and I'm proud of it. And and my family came from the Rhineland to America in 1836, I believe. And and um, everything that Hitler said about Germany. And, is that, is that uh, when you were first, uh, was it reading Mein Kampf that introduced you to the whole subject, or were you already into it? 
Oh no, I I've read the uh, I've read the classics and and for I made Mein Kampf the last book that I read. But in I mean, Christ- into into uh, the Third Reich being seeing uh, the Third Reich. Uh, oh no, I had long been into that. I, I had been okay. reading Von Trier's Polly since 1998, but but um and 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 agreeing with almost everything I've read. And in the bunch of views, I mean, there's a whole Dan Michaels and and um, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and Fowler and and there's there's a whole lot of people in the bunch of you that have done a whole lot of John, um, Tiffany John Tiffany that have done a whole lot of excellent work in revisionism. Udo Wendy and 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 um, I read Germa Rudolph's book probably um, four or five years ago. The, the large one, I, I can't even think of the name of it right yeah, now. Yeah, lectures on the Holocaust. Yeah, or was it's it the a one collection. before that. Yeah. It, it might be the one before that. It's the collection okay. of writings on the Holocaust, though it has Castagno and Wallendi and and, yeah. and um, well, Farrison and several other writers in it, right? Okay. Well, well, I've read that for years, but I purposely saved my comp for last, okay. just because I knew it was going to be um, a, a lengthy read. I, I really didn't know what to expect from it, but it was a deep and lengthy read, and and I'm glad I saved it for last. But but that's beside the point. It's um. That that's the extent of my knowledge of of Hitler and World War II. I'm not really a deep World War II scholar. I do the work that I do with my Mein Kampf Project website out of passion, but not really out of a, a um, academic background, right? Well, which is why. Well, I that's re- the way I am. I'm I'm with I'm, it's passion for me, and I I don't call myself a World War II scholar or a scholar of anything. I I'm too I started too late, and I'm not. I'm, I would can call myself a researcher, and uh, and I study, and I think that uh, in what I say, I think I'm right in most of what I say. If I don't know, you know, I'll I'll say that. But um, I'm it's not it's not that hard to see the truth once you start really looking at it without prejudice or without fear of 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 seeing what you're not supposed to see, right? Well, well, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> but when when you when you see, well, when you see the truth, you have to profess it without worrying about who you're going to offend. Mm-hmm. And, and that good. that's that that is absolutely Christian. And and it, it's in Leviticus. I don't have the, the the quote off the top of my head. But if a man sees a crime and utters it not, he becomes as guilty as the perpetrator for that crime. And, and to me, the Jewish accusations of the Holocaust are the second biggest hate crime in history. Well, I agree. And, and that's why we are so Judah. Our societies are so Judaized because we don't follow that at all. And people don't say what they know uh, because they don't want to. Well, well, it's uh, also trouble. in scripture. It's also in scripture that if a man makes an accusation and it's found to be false, that he should suffer the punishment that his victim would have suffered. Wow! <laughs> yeah. So, so imagine what the Jews are going to do before God. I mean, they're all going into the lake of fire. There's no doubt in my mind. That, well, uh, um, go ahead. If um if they've accused the German people of of this great crime and and it's a false accusation then they all deserve to die, and and that's the Hebrew law. Well, I know what I was going to say now. Yeah, you know things used to be a lot more uh, a lot tougher, and we've become we we've, we've gotten accustomed 
to all this tolerance where we don't think anybody should ever be hurt or suffer from anything. But people are suffering from, from uh, in another way of uh, politically if they don't if they don't go along with the political uh, doctrine of the day, then they're excluded and they're 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 they are punished through their employment or their lack of. Well, people lose their jobs, and that's the feeding of their children. Oh, oh, because they don't accept multiculturalism, because they don't accept diversity, they lose their jobs and they can't feed their children. They won't lie and they won't look the other way. They want to speak out about what they see, and so it's just the opposite of what you're talking about. Well, well, that's because the Jews are really absolutely contrary to the Bible. Mm. They're not those people. The Talmud is the most evil, wicked book in the world. The Talmud, I've read parts of the Mishnah, just enough to make a man sick. It's basically, the the laws of God, I know there's the ritual sacrifices, but if we look at the, the, um, the Greeks in Europe were doing the same thing with ritual sacrifices, and so were the Romans, and so were the Germans, and, and that's because a lot of them actually came from ancient, you know, they came from the Hebrews. But that's a different story, right? I'm not going to have to force you to go there. But, but there's ritual sacrifices and things that a person who hasn't studied the Bible may not understand, but the laws of the Bible are moral and just laws. You take a wife that's a virgin, you spend your life with her, you have children, you raise righteous children, you don't steal from your neighbor, you don't screw around with your neighbor's wife. But the Jews have been contrary to all of that throughout all their history, and the reasons for that are found in the Talmud. And the Mishnah, which is the Jewish commentary on the Old Testament law, is basically American case law. Case law is no longer based on the Constitution. The Mishnah in the Talmud has really nothing to do with the Torah. It's a series of arguments which afford the Jews a ways to get around the law. And that's American case law, too. It, it, it affords these lawyers ways and judges ways to get around the Constitution. It's the same thing all over again. Well, and, and, um, yeah. Uh, what What would you say about... Uh, the way Christianity is taught today, you know. Well, well, it's false Christianity. It's not real Christianity. That the um, you know, Christian. The the Paul said to the Corinthians, "You shall not commit fornication like they did." And in one day, twenty three thousand were killed. He's talking about the episode when the daughters of Moab seduced the children of Israel into sexual relations and into Baal worship, which was a fertility cult which was all about sexual relations, and and that is a race-mixing event. Jude the Apostle says that fornication is the pursuit of strange. It is in the King James. It's a word. The Greek word is heteros. It means different. Fornication is the pursuit of different flesh. The Bible prohibits race-mixing and calls it fornication. Yeah, I heard you say that. That's not taught in churches today. That's not taught in churches today. And, and oh, today, no, no, well, all all religions have modernized and and uh, brought themselves up to date with what's acceptable today. And they don't even, uh, most people think that old-time religion is, was ignorant and um, and wrong. And well, well right. Well, well, that's the Jewish media control and the Jewish media influence that has caused us to come here. 
to, to this point. Yeah, in but our... did you uh, did you have these racial ideas before you studied I, the Bible? I'm, I grew up in Jersey City. I had racial ideas since since I was six years old. Okay. So you I, kind I, of I, found I, the reasoning I, behind your racial ideas in well, your well, study I of the Bible. Well, I saw Sixty-seven riots. I saw the Negroes go berserk on Bergen Avenue and and and, and burn down the library. It, it's um, you know, I saw what they did to a beautiful Gilded Age city in, in the nineteen sixties and seventies. I knew there was a problem. So, okay. so and well, most of us didn't. I, I saw the Puerto Rican invasion and and the Cuban invasion and the Union City chasing the Italians and the Germans. Out, out into the suburbs, right, with their tails between their legs. It, it's, uh, it, it's. Yeah. Well, I knew that was happening in uh, Chicago. I had relatives in Chicago. My mother was from there, and uh, they they finally moved. They moved out. And it's, it's a shame. I remember when the neighborhood they lived in, which was a real Chicago neighborhood with two flat housing houses. You know, up one. You know, you'd have a whole a whole uh, house on the first floor and another whole house on the second floor. They were called flats, but they they were pretty big, you know, three bedrooms and everything. And uh, but and it was just all, uh, you know, they were ethnic neighborhoods, and their neighborhood was was all German people. How they, you know, they managed to do that? They just all settled down as they came over in in their own areas, and they were nice. And uh, but and then they all went black. Right, and overnight, else. overnight. Yeah, and, and where they moved uh, into, a, you know, a regular house by itself um, on the very edge of uh, Chicago, you know, way out there, was did not feel like that old neighborhood did at all. It didn't feel good like that old neighborhood did. So, like you said, the Gilded Age city, uh, they, they took what was so valuable and took it over and destroyed it, and it doesn't exist anymore. Well, well, right. I saw row after row of of um, what what would have been called McMansions today, right? Small ten and twelve room houses on on avenues in Jersey City, and row after row of beautiful copper trimmed brownstones and in Jersey City and Hoboken, and, and they just destroyed them. That they destroyed them. Yeah, and, they, and they do. They do. And, uh, but, uh. It can't be blamed on poverty. It can't because the Irish and, and the German people that were in those brownstones before them, that they were poor too. Mm-hmm. That there are more poor whites in this nation than oh, there yeah. are Negroes. Oh, for sure. And, you know, my grandparents came over. They, they were the first ones to come. And, uh, you know, around 1900. And they worked so hard. And both my grandfathers became self-employed, you know, on, on their own. They they didn't continue to work for somebody else. They weren't, you know, um, driving a, well, whatever. Um, and and uh, and my grandmothers worked hard. And and my parents uh, knew how to work hard. And uh, they had a lot of fun too. But you know, they know they didn't expect anybody to give them anything. But they weren't. Brain dead. They weren't, uh, you know, people of, and this is where I really get on to race and IQ because there's nothing, you can't make something out of nothing. You can't, as they say, that old saying, you can't make a silk purse out of a 
South Ear or something like that. Well, it's right. That's the healing healing. There's He'll no say. way. And we've already shown ourselves that over the last 60 years, but they still want to try to convince people that it's our fault that they haven't done better. Well, well, this leads me to want to talk about Charlie Giuliani, and, and let yeah, me set okay. up the context, right? <laughs> but because my – when I went on – I think somebody tried to set me up with Charlie Giuliani, right? I'm, I'm a what we would call a two-seed-line Christian identity adherent. I, I don't like to call myself anything more than that. And, and um, that that's what I profess. And I would rather – when I go on with somebody that's new, if you were interviewing me, I would want to give – a, a brief history of Europe from, say, um, and, and I could support it all with history and quotes from the classics and archaeology but from, say, 2500 B.C. until um, until the Roman period, right? And, and that's how I like to introduce Christian identity. And, and um, Giuliani didn't want to go there. He didn't want to go into any of that. He just wanted to ask me about the other races in salvation, period. Well, now let me stick in here because what I said in the very beginning when you introduced me, one of the things that really struck me was that he did not give me an introduction at all. He, In fact, he says at the beginning of the show, and this was the second time I was on with him, but the first time wasn't much better, I don't think, but it might have been a little better. I think he was setting me up too. And I was on there just a few weeks ago, and you were on there June 1st. Um, and I didn't know anything about your appearance with him at the time I went on. And I was just totally, I didn't, I just thought of Charlie as kind of a nice guy. And uh, and what he does is he's like, well, I think I got a guest today. I forgot. I can't remember who it was. Can you imagine? I would I couldn't, I would never say anything like that when I asked someone to be on my program. And then he says, let me look here. Oh, yeah, Carolyn Yeager. That was the only time he said my name except the beginning of the second hour when the music was playing, and, and I didn't hear it, and it sounded like he didn't pronounce my last name right. So I said, uh, did you say my name? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, well, the music probably covered it up. And he said, Carolyn Yeager. And I said, no, it's Yeager, not Yeager. Oh, okay. And, he, you know, at the end, he doesn't get, he never gives your website. He doesn't say anything. Right. Uh, and he did well, the well, same right. thing to you, I noticed. I listened to to that program, and he treated you exactly the same way. Exactly, and, and I, I don't think he could um, trip me up, so he gave me the bum's rush. Well, well anyway, Charlie Giuliani's <laughs> paradigm is to, um, to lambast the Jews. He lambasts the Jews, and yet when he gets somebody like me on, who, who's basically a separatist and... and um, he can't understand why I'm a separatist and why I would not believe that other people of other races should come into our culture and be allowed to assimilate. And, and they never do that, right? They never assimilate, but no. should be allowed right. to assimilate into our culture. And to me, and, and this could be demonstrated, that is a Jewish agenda to make us believe that people from other races can come in here and, and assimilate in our culture. And the Jews started um, that agenda. They, they started publicly decrying that probably around the first decade of the 1900s when, when um, Israel Zangwill wrote something, a play called The Melting Pot. And I think that first played in 1910 or 1911. Israel Zangwill, what was a Fabian socialist, 
along with um, another Jew named Israel Cohen and George Bernard Shaw. The three of them were the, the original founders of Fabian Socialism, I believe. And, and we've had Fabian Socialist presidents like Bill Clinton. So this is very real agenda that is still with us today. And, and it's the slow takeover of, of Western society by um, socialist Jews who, who promote race mixing. And Israel's Zangwill was the vanguard of that in 1910. And, so and, and when, well, let me just stick in here and then, oh, for, well, I'm thinking of it. And then when they don't, when they can't show that the people don't assimilate, then they'll say, well, they bring us something different. You know, we have some, you know, we have a lot of variety then in our, in our country, like Mexican food or, or, you know, right. some things that, the, you know, that they, they try to make that into some benefit. Well, well, you know something, it's, uh, you don't know how many times white guys have told me, but don't you like Chinese food? Exactly. I have heard that same thing. Well, they want these, they want the food. You know, they, they like the restaurants. It's cheap. And it, you know, I mean, they just don't and, get it. And it's really garbage and they're killing you with MSG <laughs> and, and they don't care about how many bugs crawl into your egg rolls. It, it's, <laughs> I've had experience with that too. But, but that's the size of the, how could somebody like Charlie Giuliani lambast the Jews and accept their entire race-mixing agenda and then attack somebody like me or you who come along and don't embrace the Jewish race-mixing agenda? And, and he is, to me, a rabbit hole. He's really a supporter of everything that the Jews do while he lambasts the Jews. And, well, and I think some of them might be doing that as agents. But um, also, I think that because there's a lot of them, uh, there's, there are very few like you and like I'm becoming more and more and, and willing to say so, uh, and m many, many more who, who want racialist thinking and white, want white, whites to stand up for themselves and, and save their nations. But at the same time, they will not go all the way with it. They just can't. They want to say, well, you know, uh, I, I'm not against uh, th this Jew or that Jew, and, and uh, I, you know, I have some uh, some Jews are good Jews, and and or or other people. We we we're not trying to get rid of other people. Uh, we can have uh, what what was something? I think I have it written down here somewhere. But uh, a good example. Well, well, if you're a Christian, and I just wrote a paper on on my Saxon Messenger, it's my editorial for this month. If you're a Christian, you have to understand that Christ said that there would be no good fruit from among the Jews forever. And, and he said that very explicitly in several parables and, and told them that they would be desolate forever. And, and that's the Jews. And, and John the Apostle tells us in his second epistle that if we even greet a Jew, we are partakers of his evil works. Well, and, and they that, decide that that's old, and uh, must, maybe it wasn't uh, properly translated or something. Well, and, well, yeah, well, they come up with all these reasons why not why not to go with that anymore. And just like I mentioned the Lutherans uh, recently, and uh, you know Luther, by the end of his before he died and long before he died, he had gotten wise to the Jews, and he wrote a whole book totally condemning Jews. But now Lutheranism does not do that. They make excuses. They say, well, he got confused, he got mixed up, he got this or that, he got old. And, you know, they, they denounce that very book by the, the head of their religion. 
I mean, this well, is how Delaney, people do things. Mike Delaney, he's he's actually a, a good friend of mine, right? ProSync.org. Yes. And, and last year, he set up a sign in front of a Lutheran church. And and it, it talked about Luther and his book, The Jews and Their Lies. And Mike had copies of the book there to show the Lutherans as they emerged from church. And they wanted to slash him. <laughs> they well, were sure. threatening him. Sure. Now, here's was, this, now, I'm going to quote Henry Macau. Most of your listeners probably know who Henry Macau is. But he, he's got that Internet site. And well, he's, he's one of those confusing you. people who he's always bashing Hitler and saying Hitler was a Zionist, Hitler was a British agent. He goes for all that stuff. At the same time, uh, he's he's supposedly um, a revisionist, and he's uh, a, he says he doesn't believe in the Holocaust. Well, he he goes through all kinds of stuff. He mostly he he attacks Jews, though he attacks Jews as uh, well, Illuminati and, and Satanists and all that. But here I read something by him, his latest thing because it was sent to me, and he said in there, he's talking about how the corporations are pushing uh, mixed uh, marriages, and, oh, he's, no, they're pushing to make white people look stupid and black and, and Asian and other people look smart, which is true. But he says, he said, I am not against intermarriage, but I get suspicious when corporations are pushing it. Well, why is he not against intermarriage? See, he doesn't have the courage to say he is, or maybe he's not. Of course, he's Jewish, too. You know, most people don't know that. Well, he's, right. Henry Macau is Jewish. And, and he yeah. is one of those people that exists simply to convince us, the, the right wing, when I say us, the, the, the people who are real conservatives, and, and I hate to use terms that qualify that, conservative, constructionist conservatives, paleo-conservatives, they're, they're all abused terms, right? But, but right. um. He he exists to show people on the right that they're a good Jews. That's why he exists. Oh yeah, I agree. I I agree. And there's a whole bunch of them who are doing that. Whole well, well Michael Savage is the biggest one. And, and I think well, I I don't even I have not followed Michael Savage except rarely I've looked at something that's been sent out. You know, but he turns me off so much. But I guess there's a lot of not whites who think he's he's doing some kind of good work. Maybe 20 because he million. criticizes some Jews or something. Right. He calls them red diaper doper babies, and 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 he he um he criticizes the the Jewish Bolsheviks, communists, Zionists, but he yeah, he so supports he, he supports Israel to a point, and he he believes that um That's he, he probably he espouses ninety five percent of the conservative message correctly, but he he. He leads his audience to believe that anti-Semitism, which is anti-Canaaniteism um, to me, which is anti-Jew, it is that anti-Antichrist is a good way to put it. That anti-Semitism is anti-American, and, and Michael Savage convinces his audience that anti-Semitism is anti-American. And I didn't see anything about Jews. Well, Gordon Duff says the same thing. So there's a whole bunch of them. And and all these people fall for this because they think they're getting the truth from them because they 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 attack Israel to a certain degree. Maybe uh, Duff attacks Israel more than more than uh, Savage does, but he doesn't do it uh, in a way that is convincing to me. 
Right. You know, I, and, I've, and been, I've been up in arms against him for a long time. I won't go into him. I, I like this thing with Macau, though, saying I'm not against intermarriage. What does he mean by that? You know, well, well, I, I, yeah. <laughs> he, he's a, he's a, he really hates feminism. So he's, he's for uh, men being in control, and uh, if men want to marry someone from another race, that's fine, I guess. Well, well that's evil. That, that's always evil. There's no justifying that, and, and and there's no justifying that in the Torah or in the New Testament. So he's just another, um, well, well, all Jews are really Satanists, but but he's just another atheist or non-religious Jew. Well, he's another he's another fraud who who people yeah. are looking at in one way, and because he writes some things that they like, and then when he sticks, he writes this other stuff. They say, oh, well, that's really something to think about, you know. Well, well, I like to say that when a Jew moves his list, he's lying, and, and when you've seen a rabbi, you've already seen a crime. See, and this is where, if, if, though, if you talk like this, then uh, these, uh, the majority of these whites uh, are going to feel uncomfortable, and they're going to say, oh, uh, they've got this thing, you know, you can't make these uh, blanket statements. And you well, can't well, right, blame but it's reality. The whole group. They, well, I, I like to think in terms of groups. Uh, more and more, I think there's every reason to do so. But I know how I know what they come up with, and I know how many of their very, very, very few who can do that, and they are considered too radical. Well, well the Jews think too radical for anybody to ever listen to, and these people want to reach the white middle class. I don't know. Uh, the Jews think in terms of groups all the time. Of course they it, do. It, all Germans and every one of our enemies thinks in terms of every other group thinks in terms of groups. But this is this is why it's all so crazy. But I'm saying it's it's just it's just embedded in these people, and and uh, they run away from it. And they, uh, but I think, and I said in my last program, I think we need to talk about it in spite of that. Um, well, you know, yes, we, we need to push it out there, and you are—you do a great job of doing that. You're, I like the—I like your um, your emphatic uh, certainty about things. Uh, you know, we need more of that. People are so wishy-washy. Well, well, yes, they are, and, and um, <laughs> it, it comes through years of, of study and, and being sure of my message, right? I, I wrote this on my Facebook account last night. I think you'll find it quaint, right? If we all live in the same global village, then why can't whites build fences? Mexicans can build fences, and so they have La Raza and Atslan. Negroes can build fences, and, and so they have the NAACP, the EEOC, BET. Jews can build fences, so they have the ADL and APAC. But white people cannot build fences, and therefore all of the beasts of the field devour our gardens and our children. That is not even democracy. So therefore whites must proactively defend their rights to build fences, too. Well, uh uh, that's that's very good, and I think it would be a good idea to really examine why. Now, uh, Kevin McDonald comes to mind as being the person that's usually mentioned as the one who's investigated this and, you know, done this uh, scholarly research work on Well, on he's white. done some very good work. And, and he'll, yes. 
He'll actually be on with Mike Delaney tomorrow, I think, on his talk show program. It's 5 p.m., if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. I saw that that he had Kevin McDonald lined up. Yeah, and, well, that and should I have, be a good twosome. Yeah, that, that, that's going to happen. I want to have to listen to that. Um, well, well, right. But, I with, mean, you know, we really don't – I don't think we really – I'm not totally satisfied with what he's written, and I'm not saying that he thinks he's got all the answers. He's, he's presenting. He's done a lot of really good work. But – uh why is why are we unable to do it? Why have we come to where we're unable to defend ourselves and stand up for ourselves, or even like ourselves, in so many cases? So many whites don't like whites, and I know they don't. I can, I talk to I I hear it, and I, I know they don't. What is go, what has happened? I think it has they to have be to throw the away their the television. Jews. <laughs> they well, have I agree. To you know, I get, I you know you know I want to I want to tell your audience that. I uh, have not had a television, a working television, in my home. I'm one that was linked up with actual transmission of TV um, <laughs> since 1980. Wow. Now, ni- 1981. There you go. Well, well that, that television is a rabbi. That television is a rabbi in your living room screaming at you. You know, I, I used to say I've kind of forgotten that. But I used to, when I think, how did I move along so fast? How did I do this when other people can't seem to do it? And um, and I realized, and I decided it was the lack of television. And I didn't, I quit reading newspapers too. You know, I couldn't stand them anymore. But mostly it was because I really wasn't being propagandized all the time. And I I do not believe people for a minute who say, oh, I can watch, I need to watch a little television to to know, you know, who, who's saying what and what's going on, and and I don't take it in and so on. I don't. If that's not true, if you're watching it, you are getting some kind of message. Um, you're getting messages whether you think you are or not. You shouldn't be watching it. Not you. I mean, you know. Well, you well, no, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. It's all about race mixing. It's all about sexual immorality. It, it's all about the destruction of our children, the exposure of our children to, to um, that these commercials are incredible. I couldn't believe it. I, I'm, I went to prison in 1996, and, and I left six children on the street when I went to prison. The youngest was only four. And, oh, and um where was their mother? They didn't have they. Well, they, well, they had mothers, but, but I mean that they they both had mothers home. But I I mean when I say on the street, I mean outside in the outside world. I'm sorry. Okay, all right. It's all it's, right. it's prison lingo. Right? It sounds terrible. But, well, right. Well, well, basically they they weren't any better off than being on the streets because they all had televisions, uh-huh. and I was an that's idiot, right. right? And and that's the yeah. way it was. That that's the, the average. Um, Middle class I think American so. Family. I think so. And people who think that they're they're immune to the TV message, uh, no. they're not because something is coming through, and and it's just it's just a bad idea. We really and because I didn't watch much TV, I think I started uh, to uh, I must have started to clear my mind, and it it took a while, but. Uh, well, well, I have a mother and a 95-year-old grandmother here with me, and, and they watch TV for a couple of hours a night. And, and the whole time I was gone, this is the point I was trying to make, I, I didn't really watch any television for, for 12 years. And I wasn't a big TV watcher anyway before I went away. And, and I was watching the television upstairs one night. I wasn't sitting. I was just passing through the room, and I had to stop and I watched, and I'm talking, and I watched a couple of minutes of TV, and I watched a few commercials. I could not believe 
the, the um, male sexual dysfunction and Viagra and all kinds of crazy commercials that, that are on in primetime television, I don't want my kids exposed to that. If, if I was a young father, I'd be throwing that TV out in the road. It, it's you that they're exposing our children to the ideas of male sexual dysfunction at 8 p.m. on, on primetime TV and, and, or, or 9 p.m. on primetime. And, and you know half of America's children are watching this, and, and this is what life is all about to them because that's what they're watching. So life becomes being about birth control, Viagra, and male sexual dysfunction. Now, that's crazy. That, that's, that, that's the perfect Jewish That's world. why these young that, guys – yeah, these young people who have been, uh, who grew up with all of this and grew up with racially mixed schools and grew up with all of that stuff, uh, they're not able to really bring themselves all the way away from it because it's so, in, it's been so ingrained in them that it's so wrong not to be tolerant of others. Well, well so, right. There's, know, there's the content of the. Yeah. Right. It's, it's evil. It, it's, I mean, it's it was hard for me, but it wasn't as hard as it, I think it is, is for them or maybe impossible for them. I don't know. Uh, you have to love something to get to get away from that which is you're, you've gotten used to. You have to really love something else. And I felt I started to love the Third Reich. I really did. People, I mean, that, that I had to be careful say, saying that. I probably shouldn't say it because people will say, oh, she's just one of those women fell in love with Nazis, uh, you know, and it doesn't mean anything, you know. Uh, but, no, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, but, well uh, the Jews But, you know, be- you have to love it. I think I love Germany, and that represents uh, the, late, the last real Germany that existed. Right. And well, uh, that's, I think, what it is. The, the, um, and it, it takes me back to my family, everything. It just, it's like I have roots, where I never had roots. You know, I never felt rooted in the United States. Born here, brought up, very American. My parents didn't try to teach me anything German. Uh, I knew that, you know, I had, it was all there in my family, my relatives and stuff. But, you know, it was, I was, you know, very American. But I have never felt for the United States, and I could get in trouble for this maybe, what I feel for Germany, but not today's Germany, you know, real Germany. So, well, well you know, right, it's not proper to something... have over. It's not proper to have overseas allegiances unless you're a Jew, then it's okay, right? Yeah, well, but uh, I don't have overseas allegiances because it's not to today's Germany, but it is to uh, my idea of what of what the German nation and culture is. Well, well, in the in the 1920s, in in the 1920s, immorality and and the Jew was in control of Germany in the 1920s as much as he was in control already of of mainstream culture, if I have to call it that, in the United States. And and women's shirts, I'm sorry, women's skirts were getting shorter and shorter, and and we were becoming more and more immoral. And, And if you've ever read. Kurt Wiebe, Germany and the Jewish Problem, or, or some of Joseph Goebbels' speeches about the immorality of the Jews and, and how they pushed pornography mm-hmm. everywhere well, they did. They did. In, in the 1920s in Germany. Well, the same thing was going on here. But mm-hmm. when the Great Depression happened, people found God. And they left a lot of, a lot of them left the immorality behind. Well, well, they weren't able to pollute 
um, America was with rampant immorality again until the 1950s and, and 60s especially. But but it, it's the the um, the pushing the the breaking down of moral barriers, the the pushing of pornography. It, it's the the Jews are responsible for 95 percent of our pornography at least. Oh yes, absolutely. And this is something that should be talked about. I mean, we, I I see things about it often, but it still seems like there's not enough made out of it because it's amazing. You know, if you just if people just take some of this in, not 90 or 95 percent of all pornography and even the actors and so on in it are Jewish. Well, well, well that it's was Jewish. It's the whole Jewish uh, industry. That, uh, that they came up as with much, it. as much as yeah. Bolshevism. The Germans, Nazi Germany, all those men, Hitler, Goebbels, um, all of the German high command, the German politicians and the, mm-hmm. and, and the Nazi party at the time, they were all extremely moral men. Yes. And, and they, they weeded were. out the immoral men in the night of the long well, night, they, right? <laughs> well, they might not have all been super moral, but they were well, basically I, moral. I mean, they, they were all doing right. filthy things. Well, well yeah. they sure as hell weren't pedophiles, homosexuals. No. No. Um, no. Right, and 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 they were all very moral men, and Germany stood up to the Jews at that time on that basis because Nazi Germany wasn't the National Socialist Party wasn't putting up with any of that mora- immorality. They burned Jewish books, they burned Jewish pornography, they they threw the Jews out of the theaters, and and they told them you're not going to demoralize our culture. But in and America, this is what today is is condemned as racism. And this is why the Jew, the uh, Germans, the Nazis are so condemned because of what they did to the Jews. And everything they did was justified, even at the end when they were trying to figure out where to put these people and, and the rest of the world was not cooperating. And so they had to move them here, there, you know, but they kept moving them around. Uh, they kept taking care of them. This is something Fritz Berg makes makes a good case out of how how well they actually took care of of uh, of the Jews. Probably more Jews would have died in the war had they not been well, I don't know. I can't I can't say that. Maybe that's a crazy thing to say. <laughs> but a lot of them would have died in the war and not as many died as as not anywhere close as to what they say. That's why the Jews were so strong. Afterwards there were still so darn many of them. Well, well, I tend to think that we would have had a war with Russia in, in the 60s or 70s if we as a nation did not roll over and, and, and let the Jews run rampant across our country and demoralize it, what, which is what happened with the sexual revolution and, and all those other revolutions ever since. The cultural revolutions ever since have all been led by Jews and have demoralized our nation. You know, and the Germans never really had a revolution, and they didn't want a revolution. And Hitler did not want his rise to power, which he he hoped to 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 be able to do, uh, to be a revolution. Well, he was uh, democratically elected. Uh, I mean, yeah, and and, and, he and, started and, out and you know, it's these other people who want revolutions. I yes. don't trust anybody who is crying even today for revolution in the Middle East, revolution in Greece, revolution here and there. Those are always that's that's the enemy trying to do that because they think they will uh they will benefit from it. Revolution was a horrible thing. Nazi Germany was basically the last stand for the the 
the prevalence of, of Christian culture in the West. Yes, and that's where I look at it. Yeah. And, yeah, and well, culture, yeah. because there there was Christianity, uh, say, in Eastern Europe, but they didn't have much culture. No, not like Germany had. You know, you, know you can't compare some of these little little countries. Uh, the people certainly have a right to their independence and so on, but you can't compare them with a, a great nation like Germany that has a culture that goes back uh so far and so many so many great uh great people have, have been produced by it. You know, I mean just uh so there are major there's major European nations and minor European nations. That's what I think. And that's why while they all have should have their rights and uh so on, they're not equal and they can't be treated as equal. Because just like we have today in the European Union, some of these nations are falling down. They can't keep up. And I don't believe that you can't blame it all on, well, the banks are taking advantage of them. The banks are not taking any more advantage of them as they are of anybody else. It's because they want to take the money. They want to take the loans. They want to take all that free stuff in the beginning. But then they don't want to live up to their obligations and uh you know and and then they end up uh in trouble because they well, just don't have that kind of discipline well well, I look at a good part uh, there are still some white Spaniards, no doubt, but a good part of the population a, a much higher ratio of the population in Spain is mixed than in Germany per se, and a much yeah. higher population in Italy, probably with southern Italy than with spain and and Greece has a very well, high mixed population. Yeah. Right. Of people that are really Turks, and and they're not white, they're really Turks. I mean, the Turks did mm-hmm. inhabit Greece and 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 um, govern Greece for oh, five hundred yeah. years. Oh yeah, Greece, and, the, the Greek people are not the same as the uh, the the people in uh, ancient. Greece oh, certainly not. Greece. And and I'm they're sure they're the same still, people, and you you can't you can't say they are. Right. Right. I'm, I'm sure there are still some white Greeks, but most of them are not. And, and the same thing with Sicily and southern Italy. And, and yeah. it's that they are the countries that are having the hardest time at that's the right. soonest period, right? right. They're, they're the first to really feel the pinch. And, and that's because Sicily and Greece and, 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 and um, to, to some degree Portugal and Spain have been and and France, France is horribly mixed. France and, and too, yeah. They're France basically is... balkanized states. They're balkanized like within like we are in the United States, but to a worse degree. And and Sicily and Greece are basically economic basket cases, and they have been. If it weren't for the, the white element in those nations, they would be like Egypt, and and yeah. and that's where they're headed, and and we're, we're all headed in that direction. Yeah, if we don't, race if we don't wake up, on. you know, it's if we don't wake up and 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 decide that we have to say call a spade a spade and and talk about race and take race seriously, if we so if we're so uh, unable to do that, and most are, then we're we're going down. That's it. That's it's going to be the end. I, that's how I see it. And uh, I, I'm so tired of. Uh, and, you know, I haven't been at this as long as a lot of these people, and I, I'm nobody to be telling them what to do, uh, and I'm sure they're not listening to what I tell them to do. But, but I mean, uh, this I think it, it comes down to this, and, and I don't think it's going to drive people away by telling these truths. I think it's going to make – we need to put some spine in, in people and in the white people 
and they might wake up to it because I'm a I'm a believer that sometimes the you know the the straight truth shocks you know people can take it because it's convincing is better than this watered down uh, uh, message that doesn't seem to get get anybody anywhere. You know, I don't think it's I don't think it's successful. Well, if you no, give people actually... a way out, they will take that way out. If you say, well. Yeah, uh, the Jews are bad, and this is bad, but not all of them. You know, not all of them. And and there's there's good ones. And well, we have to learn to work together, and we have to we have to separate the good people from the bad people. How are you going to do that? You can't. You know, with infiltration well, well, and so on, you can't you can't tell who's in there. Every good organization is infiltrated with, uh, you know, with these uh, agents and so on. Well, well, from a secularist viewpoint, I would tell people that atheism cannot defend race. Atheism has no basis for the defense of race. Evolution has no basis for the defense of race. If you believe in evolution, well, what's the sense? Race mix some more. You'll just evolve back. Well, I don't think. Well, no, I don't know if I go along with that. I I have believed in evolution, and I think that evolution teaches race. But they well, well, don't want to take that message from it. But evolution shows that we have evolved differently, and some have evolved uh, in a more advanced way than others because right, of, uh, because of the challenges. Still evolving, and and that they will catch up to us, which is also false. Because oh well, no, they won't catch up because people who understand how IQ works, uh, and and I don't, but I've read some of it, not for a long time, but. But they they will say, clear out. You can't catch up. These people are not going to catch up. There's something about it. Uh, the, the life is not going to give them the the challenges and so on that are going to cause them to catch up. And uh, so that that's a that's a false uh, idea. Well, well, to me, they they've never evolved and and they never will, right? And they've always they we well, a lot of them have evolved. evolved. I would say in in uh, in the middle of Africa, uh, but, no, there's this it's pretty much uh, where it started. If you believe in the God of the Bible and the God of creation, then you understand that God is the author of race. And and if you defend your race, you're defending the creation of God. And you understand that the Jew who would mix all races is the enemy of God. Because well, he destroyer I go along with of God's creation. The Jew I is I don't like God I don't like you know, I don't like race mixing and it it is only the last few years probably that I could really come out and say that. And before that I wouldn't have wanted to say and then before that I would have thought it was wrong to say that. Like you know, like uh Henry Macau, uh unless he's just doing it for other reasons. But, well, well, uh, you know, that somehow, you know, you're you're insulting people. You know, I fell for all that stuff, uh, but I got myself out of it. Macau is, to me, showing his true fruits. The race mixer is the, the, the person who is contrary to, who would destroy, who has no care for the creation of God. And, and Macau, if he were really... A man of, of God would see he says he's a Christian. to protect the creation of God. He's certainly no Christian. No. Because he's a fornicator. He's promoting fornication by promoting race mixing. Well, do you have a lot of uh, disciples that can go out and spread your message? I mean, this message is not getting out 
enough. Um, well, well, Christagenia has, has about 600 visits a day. It's in the top 100,000 usually. I'm out of it right now because we um, we had a server crash and it was offline for two days, right? But I'm in the top 100,000 Alexa ranking. I mean, I don't, you know, really. Yeah, I have read those. I have read those statistics from you. That that's very good. Uh, well, you have you have a, a very well organized uh, uh, site there. I mean, I I. Don't, I I first went to it and I I didn't know my way around and I thought what is all kinds of stuff here and I'd get lo- I got lost I didn't know where to find what I was looking for but I I I'm still don't know exactly how it works but um, I'm sorry I guess I'll have to improve my design it's easier to navigate <laughs> well probably if you're really going to listen to some of those things you might learn more about it but I I'm looking I was only looking for the MindConf project. Okay. That's all that's I've listened to so far. That's that's a very good project, and what's good is that you keep going. You know, uh, you you don't really come to an end. Not that you can't come to the end of something, but you don't just do a couple programs and then drop it. Well, well, we've actually done that lately. We, we've um, taken about a month off, and we won't be back. I don't think until October. Yeah, 9th. yeah, yeah. You said that. Well, that that's understandable. But I mean, you know, there's a lot of it already. There's a lot of it there. Yes, well, there are about eighty podcasts, and and we have a lot to go. Well, we have a lot to um a, a lot to accomplish it. I pray. Uh, so hopefully well, we'll, we'll, we'll get we, back to it. We hadn't uh, talked about. Yet. Well, well, this uh, is an open ended program, and and I hope to take some calls if, if you if you're amenable to that. I was hoping that um, Trosync would call, and I don't even know if he made it tonight. But um, yeah, I don't know how long you want to go on. I'm 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 willing, but and I'm willing to take calls, whatever you you know, whatever you want to do. Well, well, we could go on until you're tired of talking to me, right? Uh, I've okay. done these for five hours. I I don't have a problem. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about doing a a, a, a shoe. What's it? Uh, talk shoe show of my own. So uh, this is it's interesting to see how this works. It seems to be very simple to set up. Well, well, talk shoe. I I understand that you're. Um, I don't really want to mention, it, but you you have an opening in your schedule now that that you didn't have before. It, it's talk shoe. Is very good because you 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 don't have all the advertisements that Voice of Reason Network has or Republic Radio, and and you could get into topics at a much deeper level. I mean, I can't get into anything yeah. deep. Well, when I go talk to a um, Deanna Spingola or or even Giuliani, by the time I, I I set up set the stage to get into the the nuts and bolts of any particular topic, it's time for another commercial. And and it just never you you never quite get there to where you and and yeah, here right. it's, that there are you're no right. I wonder if there's a reason for that because a lot of these networks follow that exact same commercial pattern, almost exactly. You know the timing and all, and the number of them that they have, and some a lot of the same uh, uh, sponsors. You know, one well, time well, I one one time uh, when RBN this was several years ago. RBN was having a uh, a pledge a pledge drive, and uh, something on there kind of made me mad. I don't know. And I wrote to them. <laughs> I sent an email, and I said, "Why are you um, why you have all these commercial? Oh no, why are you asking for money when you have all these commercials? 
that, you know, so you have all these sponsors. You know, why do you act like you don't have any money? Because they're saying they couldn't keep going, you know, that kind of thing, um, unless people gave send in some money. And uh, and I got an answer back from Sandra uh, Statmiller, who I didn't know, and she didn't know me, but she wrote back and said, uh, most of these sponsors don't don't give us any actual money. She says, we don't make any money off this. Off these ads, and I thought that's even worse. Why have them if you don't why have the ads? Why have them there? Well, either they get merchandise from these uh, advertisers, or they get some kind of reciprocal arrangement. You know, maybe they get they do some advertising for them. I know they have that with with uh, say American Free Press, but uh, which is you know that's that's legitimate. But I don't know if she's telling me the truth. But I kind of, at first I thought she wasn't, then later I thought she probably was. And, you know, uh, why do they have all these? Because they want to have them in case somebody does pay them. Uh, you know, they want to have all that set up that way. I, I just, I don't know. The whole business of uh, alternative radio is is getting to me as uh, more and more as I look and see what's going on there. And I, I become more familiar with some of these uh, hosts and what they're doing, like Charlie. Giuliani, I mean, after his pro, there's so little control there. After his program with me, I have to, I have to say this. Uh, the next day, and and you know this, because he did the same with you. I found. Well, well, right. He went on. You know, he, he went on a rant against me that was absolutely unfounded. I mean, he may have not liked some things, but he didn't. You know, it did not uh, justify what he said about me and how he went on and on about it, tearing into me like that. It's just, and uh, if if somebody called his program uh, last week when Deanna Spingola was his guest, somebody told me that she was on there and some things that were said, so I went and listened to it because I didn't know she was on there. And uh, at the end of the program, somebody called in and and he sounded like a real intelligent guy. He said a few things, and then he told Charlie that that uh, the deal with me, he should really hold out his, uh, he should really try to uh, bring an olive olive branch or something and make up and so on. Uh, that that the, it seemed like he went, he was um, what was that? He he overreacted to the thing, but he didn't talk strong. He didn't fall Charlie out like he should have. But I want to tell people that I would never. No olive branch would I ever take from the hand of Charles Giuliani after two days of him ranting, calling me the B-word, saying F you to me on the air, getting a phone call on on Thursday. I was on there on Wednesday. On Thursday after he's ranting away against me, then he says, oh, I have a caller. And he says, oh, it's probably her. He said, I don't know if I'll take it or not. Well, and he's talking about what is she trying to say, you know. It wasn't me, of course, you know. I mean, I wouldn't call into him after after something like this. But and then he's so – that just shows how stupid he is. And then he, you know, he takes his break. When he comes back, he says, well, it wasn't her. Uh, it was uh, somebody calling saying I should have her try to get her back anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, you know. Well, well I don't I, think I would go on his program again. I, I, the man couldn't handle me, and because he couldn't handle – and I learned that. He was being very slick. He would talk to me during the commercial breaks. And after two or three commercial breaks, I realized that the, he, he would never bring up anything that we spoke about. 
And I realized that during the commercial breaks, he was talking to me and learning where he should not go. He was learning that I had yeah. my answers and that I knew yeah, my Yeah, well, that's stuff. another thing that he does. He talks to you during the break time, and uh, you, you're not able to really take a break yourself and, you know, organize your own thinking or anything, and you're talking to him, and then I think he forgets uh, what he said on the break and what he didn't, what he said on the show, and he thinks he's, you know, that things have been covered on the show that weren't, and... uh you know, I just think he has a he has a, a a sloppy mind. His 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 research is very poor. His his the stuff that he says and and the fact that he goes into these emotional rants regularly, well, but he not has about not about people like he did with us. And he, you know, I've never had anybody talk about me or talk to me like that in my life. I mean, that was totally wrong. And yet his. Uh, his network doesn't seem to care that he does all that. So, uh, well, maybe uh, they have an agenda. I, I, I don't. Maybe they all do. It, it's. Um, I was very surprised to ever be invited to Republic Radio and anybody that's actually heard me. I, I mean, I'm gonna. Rick Adams seems like a nice guy. He um, interviews Eli James all the time, and I used to work with Eli. And he's interviewed other people about Christian identity, but he's never. And, and I've written him asking him why he thought some certain other people, I won't mention their names here, should represent Christian identity when they certainly don't have the the um, the, the, quali- the qualifications or, or the mm-hmm. skills. Mm-hmm. And um, he hasn't even answered my email. And, and he's never invited me on his program, which I don't care. At this point, I may I may decline he's, even if he did. He's probably right? afraid of you too, because he's got his own weird stuff. He has lots of weird people as guests on his program who who aren't are very legitimate, and uh, and he um, you know I I don't I don't think too much of Rick Adams. A lot of people do. I don't know why. It seems like a lot of people, if you're just anti-Jewish, whoever's anti-Jewish, then they think they're good. You know. Uh, that's that's their only criteria. Well, there's there's a lot more for me because I think some of these anti-Jewish people uh, don't do, you know, don't do the truth very much good. And and here's the thing with with uh, back with Charlie. Yeah, he could not handle your arguments. He couldn't even handle what I was saying. And I told him what I was coming to talk about, which was simply to show that this talk about. Hitler was a Jew, or Hitler was a Zionist, or not, wasn't even Hitler. It was that the, the, the National Socialist Party was Jewish. That, that's what this guy said. And there was a whole bunch of names and so on. And I was going to show, and he said, all right. But he, then he said he didn't do, his, didn't do any research. Well, uh, so he wasn't prepared. Well, then he should let you thought. talk. Well, sure. Well, he did let me talk, but then he had these callers. And they uh, they called in and uh, they were really they were they, they weren't on the up and up. I don't know who knows about people, but uh, I couldn't take much of the first one after his first two points. And he started saying telling a bunch of lies. So I broke in, and you know I have learned on these radio programs if you don't speak up, you're just going to be run over, you know, Bye. and you're the program's going to be over, and, and and you look like a wimp, and you know you look like you've been beaten. So, you know, trying to be nice and, and pleasant and so on doesn't always work. So I, I, I was talking over him, well, and he wanted to finish what he was saying, 
and I didn't want him to finish it because he'd already said enough. I'd heard enough, and I wanted to answer what he'd already said. And so this is what then Charlie turned into being some kind of horrible, horrible behavior on my part, which is I, I hear it all the time on these talk programs, and nobody gets upset about it. But, you know, he, he built all that up overnight. But anyway, you know, I don't go on about him as bad as what him well, well I thought Deanna was really nice and she was really nice for having me on but if she didn't have me on again I wouldn't be offended because I, I understand that my message is probably well, I think she had you on because of your uh, mind comp yes she really liked work. it yeah. yeah I mean that's the impression that I got All right, but it's hard for in. me to talk about Hitler and Christianity it's hard for me to explain why Adolf Hitler was a Christian without explaining what real Christianity is, because Adolf Hitler was not a church boy. And, and most people who, who, who envision Christianity today or who profess it expect to see church boys. That's what they yes, expect. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and uh, churchianity is not Christianity. Yeah, and, well, I like that about what you say, because I really got tired of churchianity um, well, well churchianity is garbage. <laughs> it's ritual garbage. All of the founding fathers of this of, of this nation, John Adams and, and um, James Madison. James Madison was a Bible scholar. He studied Hebrew for four years, and he wrote the Constitution. Uh, all of these men were deep Christians, but none of them were church boys. None of them subscribed that they considered the rituals of the church and, and all the little stupid things they do and all the little stupid things they require people and sacramentalism, they consider that to be all garbage, and so do I. None of it's Christian. Yeah. Well, um... And, and if you look at... I, I could walk through Mein Kampf and show the Christian philosophy built into National Socialism, the idea of helping your brother, the idea of sacrificing your life for your nation, that Christ said, follow me. What did he do? He gave up his life for his people. And, and that, that, that's absolutely Christian. And it's all woven into Hitler's political philosophy. And, and it runs pretty deep. But if you're not a real Christian, if you're a church boy, you're not going to see it. Yeah, Hitler liked Christianity, I think. Some, some things about it I think he didn't like. Well, but well, the on the whole, he thought it was, but he didn't like church, the church, the way the church did things too much. And, um, but he had a real, he had a real, he was in touch with God, you know. Uh, well, well, right. way he I would put it, God, God within. I mean, we all have a personal relationship. He really had, he really had one. And, and he, he received, uh, he, he had, they say he had a sixth sense. I know, you know. That's that's what it's called. He just got he just knew things and got things and understood things and and if he followed that everything worked out well in in the beginning of his career and uh, saved him a lot of times. But well, at the well, end, you know, he had the whole world against him. They they were out to right. destroy him. There was no way that he was ever going to uh, succeed well, well, against all that that was lined was, up against him. But, but I think that he can Christian still have can still be seen as having won the victory if we get if we end up with victory 
eventually. Oh, we we you know. will have victory. The the Jew cannot win. Adolf Hitler understood. <laughs> Adolf Hitler understood, and he says this in Mein Kampf, and I'm going to paraphrase, but he understood that the Aryan man was the pinnacle of God's creation. And he understood that the Jew was forever the adversary who wanted to destroy that. And he understood that the Aryan man was the the city on the hill that was the bearer of everything good and beautiful in the world that could not be hid. And he understood that the Jew was forever opposed to that. And that's the Christian identity message. 100%. Yeah, well, that, that part of the message I like very much. And, and I like Aryanism. I like that word. I like what it means. Uh, I used to, at one time I would have been afraid of it. You know, again, no, I'm going to be judged for being, uh, you know, stuck up and stupid things like that because I didn't understand how everything was. So most people are base what they do on, uh, what people are going to think of them. You know, I mean, this, this is pretty brought up that way, and it takes a lot of strength just to, uh, well, that may be most of the strength to not, you know, to get over that. Um, but uh, Aryan, Aryan is beautiful, and Aryan is the pinnacle, in my opinion also, of the human race, and uh, that's, uh, that's the way it is. Uh, you can, we can have different reasons why, but um, I, think, I think it is, and this is why it can't be destroyed. Now, you think that God won't let that happen, I guess. Well, well, I, it, I'm not convinced about something like that. You would have to listen to my Revelation podcast. <laughs> there are 14 of them. I, I would strongly suggest them. It, you mean not. on the book of Revelations? Yes, ma'am. I probably should. You know, I don't know. I don't have time to even read all the things I need to be reading. I don't know how I'm going to do that. But uh, well, all my notes are I on should because, uh, you know, I got really, really turned off to Revelations. Uh, first. That was the first thing I got turned off to. And well, well the Revelation is a revelation of history once you understand that, that it's Eurocentric. And, and it's telling us 2,000 years of history in advance. And, and right now we're at Revelation 17, 17. But where our kingdom would be handed over to the beast, that there's no doubt. But but I mean, you need a whole build-up of the revelation to understand. I, I would suggest if you listen to anything on my Christogenia site that was not the Mein Kampf project, that you listen to that. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll keep that in mind. It, it's had it. it's had close to fifty thousand downloads amongst spread out among the fourteen podcasts, right? Well, you're very successful. Well, if you can, if you as a as a Christian identity person, I mean, I just dismissed Christian identity for a long time uh, until I came across you, and then you know, slowly, probably because you know your attitude toward Hitler. But um, but uh, what was where was I going with that? I forgot. Um, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, if you, uh, for a Christian identity person, you're very, very successful. Well, it takes a lot you're, of hard work. You're obviously convincing a lot of people. Well, well, most of them were already convinced before they got here, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, how do you, how do you, uh, are you, the, is it what you talk about? Would you say you're the same as British Israel, or is that something Oh, different? no, no, no. British Israel embraces the Jew and claims that they're Judah, and that's a total lie. 
British oh, Israel okay. was corrupted. British Israel started out on the right foot. If you go back to original British Israel, Sharon Turner, John Wilson, Sharon Turner was a historian, right? And, and British Israel was um, formulated from the discovery of the origin of the Saxon and Celtic peoples. And I could talk about all this history from um, from ancient Mesopotamia around the time that the, the Assyrian deportations of the children of Israel occurred, right? And, and the Saxons and the Cimmerians can be traced from those deported Israelites who, who made their way into Europe. And I could trace them every step of the way, right? And, and the Assyrian inscriptions, Persian inscriptions, and then the Greek, Greek classics. Now, now um, aside from that, British Israel understood at the beginning, even if they didn't understand the Jewish question, they understood that the Germans and the English were kindred people, right? That the English descended from the Germans, and they all came from the same place, ultimately. Well, along came a Jewish banker named Edward Hine, who had a lot of money, who printed books, British Israel history books, that despised the Germans. Mm-hmm. And, and, and taught the, the there, there were a lot of adherents to British Israelitism in, in the late, in, in the Victorian era and, and all the way up on, until World War II. And um, Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling was one of them, and I could prove it from his poems. I read all his poems, right? And, and he was an adherent. And, and there's a lot of big names that were in, in Britain. And, and that's why the Jew had to corrupt it and turn them against the Germans. And that began with Edward Hine. And, and now the British Israelite would deny his German brethren. And, and that basically um, absolves their conscience of, of the crimes that they've committed against Germany, right? And, and they, they accept the Jew. They embrace the Jew. And, and it's absolutely crazy. And they're mocked because the genetic testing, of course, proves them wrong. But if they had the correct paradigm and understood who the Jews were, well, well the genetic testing proves me right. But, but it proves British Israel wrong. And, and I've challenged them time and again. I've challenged um, British Israel pastors to debates, and they won't touch me because they think that I'm unlearned and crude. And, and I can be harsh when I need to be. I, I mean, the prison can come out on me real quick when, when somebody picks me off. But, but um, that, no, they, they, it's they good use to be not, hard. It's good to be they, able to be hard. That uh, they use that as an excuse not to talk to me. Yeah. So that they're girly men. As far as I'm concerned, they're all girly men, right? That they're afraid of getting their feelings hurt. That, that's the way I look at it. I mean, I might be thinking too much of myself, but that's the way I look at it. And, and I would debate them solely on the on, on the basis of the history in the Bible. Yeah. So, so the British Israel people, because they embraced the Jew, that they've been corrupted. They're no better than Christ, than, than Churchianity, than, than mainstream um, Churchianity. Wasn't uh, Willis Carto? He, he was interested in Christian identity. Uh, well, he well, wrote Willis an article Carto, in his magazine about it once, or he took yes, a side he, of Christian identity in, in right, with and, Lady Renouf. And I would debate with Lady Renouf at the drop of a hat. I would kill her in the debate. I'm confident. You probably would. I wouldn't debate you on any of that. Not but, but, for a minute. Uh, Does she think she knows enough to debate you on that? Or she just well, well, doesn't you, like you it? Well, you know what? I, I, I had dropped a note to, to Michael Collins Piper, and, I, and to, well, to the editor of the Barnes Review, right? I don't know if Piper ever got it. But, but it was ignored. 
No, and, he and, wouldn't get it unless you and, unless you put his name on it because he's not the editor. Right, and I also submitted a. Um, well, he was at that time, I believe. The editor. I don't think, I think he was so. ever the editor of the Barnes Review. Well, who was the editor after um, M. Raphael Johnson? Well, I actually like M. Raphael Johnson's work. But I well, thought, I thought Willis Carto was always the editor. He's the editor-publisher. And right well, now there's a... Um, well, I have a Barnes Review right here. I'm going to grab one at random, right? I'm going to grab the Well, name. it might say Tiffany. Tiffany's the copy editor. He's not really the editor. But it would go to him. Oh, okay. Editor and publisher Willis Cardo, assistant editor yeah. Tiffany. Assistant I thought editor, it was yeah. Piper. I might be wrong. Well, I sent a letter. I submitted one of my articles, which was an article I wrote. It's in the historical essays on my site about the Phoenicians, and, and it, it, I was never even answered, right? And, and it's only about 5,000 words. But it proves that the ancient Phoenicians of the Golden Age of Phoenicia, it proves from the Bible that they were actually the Israelites of the, um, the the conquest of the land of Canaan, right? The original Israelites and the Phoenicians are one and the same people. And and that's the key to understanding the, the settlement of Europe because the Phoenicians, uh, I mean, there's tribes in Europe before them, don't get me wrong, for a long time, for 3,000 years, there are Aryan tribes in Europe from Mesopotamia before the Phoenicians. But the Phoenicians had um, come to bring letters and writing and 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 um the glass arts and things like that to those european those other white tribes in europe and, and that culture was brought by the phoenicians and they were actually the israelites of joshua's time well and, okay and that brings up uh what about the uh all those original peoples living those uh barbarians up there in the northern uh parts of europe there uh that's supposed to be the germanic people uh, the, the, well, the, the Germanic people, the as Germanic we know people, them, were they not? Uh, if this, if what you say is true, uh, if the, if we were the down in the Levant and we were the, the uh, whatever we call ourselves, the Israelites, then uh, were uh, we were not? Uh, then those people were not us. Well, what we what we have is we have Jephthites, right, and, and some other Shemitic tribes. The Lydians are a Shemitic tribe. And, and the Jephthite, the Ionian Greeks, and, and the original inhabitants of Tarshish and, and southern Italy, and, and they were all white, the coast of northern Africa, that they were um, actually Hamitic people who were white, and, and they were white un, until the, the Arab period, right, until the Moors, uh, until the Moors were um, overrun by the Arabs and converted to Islam. Well, well um these people were in Europe as early as 3000 BC. I understand that there is culture in Europe before that, but there's a large gap in the, in, in the archaeological record which agrees very well with the biblical record. I mean, the, the you mean, are, you, are you saying that the Israelites were in Europe in 3000 BC? No, I'm saying that other people from Mesopotamia okay. were in Europe okay. in 3000 BC. And do they the count as part of the as part of the uh Aryans or, or you yeah, know well yes yes absolutely all the people all the original people of the Bible are originally Aryan even the Ethiopians are originally well, they white weren't, they weren't part Aryan. of these Bible people though the people that were up there in in uh, in Europe they they weren't there, part there, of the there Bible was nobody people. there yet at that time there was an ice age in Europe at that time you couldn't even inhabit northern Europe okay at that so time. you're saying that the very first people 
in uh, the barbarians in Northern Europe, as we call them, uh, as they're called, uh, were were actually the Israelites. No, no, were other Jepesite tribes, the Jepesite and other Shemitic tribes. Okay. Well, are they lesser than and, the and, Israelites you know, in your mind, or are, how are does this less, work? No, 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 not at all. That they're as okay. white as the rest of us, right? The Thracians were Europe's first mound builders. And, and they built mounds in Phrygia, and they built so mounds. So we're really all talking over. about we're really talking about white people, and I do go along with with the idea. It seems true to me that that uh, that in the in the great age of Egypt they were white, in 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 uh, a right. lot of places on these great uh, these great uh, uh, what are they called uh, civilizations? And, and Egypt had uh, were white, and uh, we were always learning that somehow these black people built these great civilizations, and then. Later, they turned into dummies. That, you know, it well, doesn't well, make any sense. The the, the blacks have never <laughs> built any civilization. No, They've never built they anything haven't. above a, a two-story dung hut, right? I, I don't even know about the second story, all right? And the Asians have never built anything beyond a Shinto temple, and I'm not sure that they're entirely responsible for the Shinto temple themselves, right? Now, Now, the Jews have never built anything. They've infiltrated everywhere yeah. they've ever traveled. They've infiltrated civilizations, and they've taken the names of those civilizations, just like the, the Edomites and Canaanites in, infested Babylonia in, in maybe 2000 B.C., just like they infested Judea in the 2nd century B.C. and took it over and claimed it as their own, they infested England after the Norman Conquest. And now the Jews, you couldn't convince the Jews in England that they're not English. They'll call themselves English. They'll control England. They'll print England's money. They own England. But they're Jews. And they've done it everywhere. That's all they've ever done. What makes anybody think that these people built a great civilization in, in 1000 B.C. that lasted for 700 years or 500 years or whatever. Actually, it was, um, if we go to the time of David from about 1050 B.C., and it lasted until the, the Babylonian destruction of the first Jerusalem in 580 B.C., so that's 500 years. So, so what makes us think that a Jew of today who has never built anything but has infiltrated and destroyed everybody everywhere what what makes us think they ever built anything? That they yeah. Well, I know you know. I I read that material that's come out uh, the arch by the archaeologists that they have been digging uh, all down there in in Israel, and they what they find was that it's supposed to be the Temple of Solomon and the Temple of uh, and the Great uh, Palace of David and the Great City of the uh, you know Kingdom of David and earlier things. There's nothing there. There's nothing there, or there's a few well, little well, huts, and so on. So all of the, oh oh, and now this that's right. This is going to go against. I keep getting this. Well, well, there is much evidence of that. There's that there's something you're following Israel Finkelstein, and, and um, there's a Dutch there's a Dutch archaeologist yeah. whose name has escaped me right now. But but they are, and and there's a couple of others. They're the school yeah. of biblical minimalism, right? They are the school of biblical yeah. minimalism, and, and people want don't want to observe the historic events that that um, would lead them to believe whether or not there should be anything there, right? 
Uh, I mean, Babylon, the Babylonians totally destroyed Judea in, in 585 B.C. and left nothing there. And you can't date rock. And stones are always if, – if you read um, – if you read the tragic poets, right, they complain that Schliemann's Troy was never found. Well, the, tra the tragic Greek poets wrote that all the stones were used to build surrounding towns and you could not even see the footprints of its walls. Well, if the tragic poets wrote that in the 5th century B.C., what the hell makes these people obnoxious enough to think that they could find the stuff today that the tragic poet said wasn't there anymore 2,500 years ago. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I, uh, I'm i sure you have an answer for these things. I, I You see the, the, the problem. Well, well there, are, oh. there, there is archaeological evidence of the, 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 the kingship of David and of that there's the um, – there's the the um, I'm trying to the, the the there was a stella found in Syria in what would have been Tel Dan today or maybe in Lebanon, and and that mentions the house of David. There was a stella found from the Pharaoh Merneptah Mer Mer that mentions Israel. There was the silver scrolls found in Jerusalem, which are little pieces of silver with prayers from Deuteronomy inscribed on them that definitely date to the 6th century, 7th century B.C. They were found at a layer of strata that shows that they are definitely that old. But when a city is totally destroyed, and we're told that it's totally destroyed, and we see the practice of people in using stones in order to rebuild cities and, and villages elsewhere or town walls elsewhere, and it's done all the time, because it's very difficult to quarry stone, and it's very easy to quarry stone from walls that have been torn down. But while we see these practices having taken place in many places in ancient history, then what makes us assume that we should find it when the city was totally destroyed? I mean, it's, they're trying to reach a conclusion from archaeology alone without looking at the history, and that's not right to do. Well, when there is evidence that these things had indeed existed. And, and we have many Assyrian inscriptions, and Akkadian and Babylonian, Sumerian, that tell us that these places existed. And, and the Israelites and the people of Judah are mentioned explicitly in Assyrian inscriptions that have been found. I could pull out a book right now and start reading, reading them to you that mentioned the, the Judahites and that mentioned the Edomites and that mentioned the, the Israelites, the house of Omri, the people that you see okay. known as well, who is the you, summary. Well, I'll tell you, know, if, if, I'm in a, if I'm in a fight or, or a fight for, for truth and justice, I, I, I would certainly happy, be happy to have, be, have you on my side, you know, or to be well, on your I, side. <laughs> you you it, give a lot of confidence. I, I don't have to agree with all of this. Um, it's, 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 it's uh, too much for me, but, uh, I like the fact that you, that you, you've got it all covered. And, um, and, and what you're standing up for is good. And, 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 uh, that, that's clear. So, um. Well, well, I'm defending ancient white society. Yes, that's right. That's right. That, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. And all the way up to the present day. So, and, and so many of these people, uh, because they they don't want to be dogmatic about anything, they can't defend anything. They're, you know, they they 
they can't stand up against it. And we need people who can stand up against it. Well, yeah. well that's what Christian identity is. And if you're, it, and if you're building that in, in other people, I don't know all these people who are, you know, uh, all these other people, but um, if you're building that same thing in them, then that is good. You know, a lot of your Christian, a lot of your, uh, those who uh, follow you or, you know, listen to you, like you, and, and come to your website and listen to your shows and stuff, um, th- those who you say are Christian identity, probably a lot of them uh, are not interested in, in the Hitler thing, or are they? Well, well, they that's all why, follow, well, they don't well, all go along with that, right? That's one reason why the Mein Kampf project is on a separate website. Right. I mean, the okay. primary reason is because I couldn't possibly put all of my content on one website. It would really be a mess, right? Yeah, but but um, really. that, that's why I have Christogenia broken up like I do, and the Mind Comp Project is a totally separate website. It, it was only going to be initially my proof from my, a copy of Mind Comp and my proof from Mind Comp that Hitler was a Christian and and um, and, and professed. Yeah, you know, Christian morals, Christian philosophies, that we destroyed a Christian nation who were also our kindred, a kindred nation when, when America and Britain signed up with the Jews to destroy Germany twice, and, and um, not just once, but twice. And, and that, that was the original intent of the Mein Kampf project. And then I started getting into, um, that there's a man that just left the chat room here, Gerald Mosley. He supplied me with, um, Russia number one, the copy of Russia number one that I had was scanned from his library. And, and we did a whole series based on that. And, and we have other documents that we're going to cover in the near future of, um, maybe not of value as much as Russia number one. It's a pretty valuable document, but, but close. And, and we're going to be discussing them in the months to come. Some of these comments from your chat room people are, are pretty interesting. I'm sure you understand them better than I do because uh, I don't know exactly where they're coming from, but um, I think uh, they sound like a good group of people. You know, um, it it all depends on how Christianity is presented, whether it can be appealing or not. Well, well, we we need, to to me, Christianity is the only thing that's ever effectively, that, that can really effectively defend our race because I don't well, see you know who else says that? and paganism who? I, I've been looking at lately uh, also I was thinking about asking him to be a guest but then I thought well I'm not sure because I don't really want to have guests who are going to spout out something that I that I am really disagree with so uh, I'm not that kind of a radio host but uh, <laughs> but uh, which is uh, Brother Nathaniel now, what well, is well, he's a Jew. He, he can't possibly. I know he's a Jew. Oh, that's right. For, so for you, he can't possibly. He says the same thing. He says only Christianity can fight Judaism. And well, he seems like he's sincerely, uh, he's sincerely left Judaism and doesn't like it and wants to be a Christian. But according to you, uh, it's There's too bad he can't be. That Christ said, when the, when, when he said that there will be many who, who claim to do this and to do that in my name, and I say to them, get away from me, I never knew you, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's just the way it is. A Jew cannot be a Christian. We cannot allow him to be a Christian because he's going to bring Jewish thinking into Christianity. Well, you know, uh, a little that, 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 the is, whole that is really, you know, talk about hard. You know, I think I I can take hearts, but that's really hard because um, 
you know, he's the one person that I thought, now here's somebody who's the right example because he he doesn't say he's a Jew anymore. He's he's not a good Jew because he's not a Jew. He doesn't like Jews. But he understands Jews, so he's able to talk about them better than most anybody well, else. Well, I think I understand him pretty damn good, too. Yeah, you do, and too. I see, not being a Jew. See, people, people think that if a Jew will really, really get on Jews, then that's much more convincing to people. But unless, if they still, if they say they're still a Jew, it's not to me. But somebody, but he is the only one who seemed to to stand out differently. But he will still say he doesn't want anybody like Hitler. I read that. That's why I decided not to ask him to be on, because uh, he said uh, he said I um, he said we don't want a dictator like Hitler. We want to do it, you know, in a Christian way or whatever. Well, well Hitler was Hitler was not a dictator. And I know it. I know it. So he doesn't way. really understand that. I've heard him say worse things. Sometimes he sounds kind of Hitler friendly, and then other times uh, he goes the other way. So uh, it's too bad. Uh, he seems like uh, like a good, uh, like like a smart guy. You know, he's smart. He can really he can really tell the truth about the Jews better than most non-Jews can. And you know, he he really lays it on them. But uh, I, I like that. It's good when you have clear-cut rules, and that's it. Otherwise, pretty soon, like I say, let's talk about wishy-washy. So there's a place where I would have gone a little wishy-washy because, uh, you know, in, in trying to be, uh, well, well, let's and be look nice. Well, Jesuits. Let's look at Adam Weishaupt. There's a converted Jew. He, he was a sincere Christian. Yeah, okay. The Weishaupt, founder of the well, Illuminati, Weishaupt. right? Okay, what about, uh, what about they say, uh, uh, well, Charlie, our friend Charlie says this, that that famous Jesuit, was he the one that started the Jesuit order? I'm not very up on this. That Loyola. They say he was Loyola. a Jew. Loyola, uh, yeah. Do you, you say Loyola was a Jew? I think that he may have been part Jewish by blood. I really do. I've seen him, and, okay. and I have that gut feeling. And if he wasn't a Jew, there were some of his compatriots who founded the Jesuit order along with him, and they were Jews. And Jews used the Jesuit order to legitimize themselves. Jews, at the time that the Jesuit order was founded, they had no political voice. They could not go into the courts of kings, and some of them did because they were loan sharks and they weakened nobles or they found weak nobles that they could loan money to, have some influence. But they couldn't have public influence in Christian courts. They couldn't have public influence in Christian churches. Well, the Jesuits was their vehicle to do that. Until the emancipation. After the emancipation, uh, I mean, they left these Jesuits behind as Jesus-loving Christians, Jew-loving Christians. But, but um, after the emancipation, they no longer needed the Jesuits. They still used them to launch some of revol- the, the, you know, to help launch some of the revolutions in Europe, the 1848 revolution, the 1872 social revolutions. They used the Jesuits and the Masonic lodges to help along with that cause, but after the emancipation, they really didn't need the Jesuits anymore. Because so now that the they Jesuits were equal citizens. Today, they're, just, they're just generally Catholics well, well, I that follow as, the same problem with all the... Well, well right. The Catholics are a problem as much as the Jesuits. Normal Catholics are a problem just as much. Now, now I know there's websites that, that defend Jews and blame everything on the Jesuits. And, and they're just rabbit holes. That, that's just a big distraction. That they're just trying to 
run cover for history's longest running crime ring. You you were uh you were raised Catholic. How long were you a good Catholic? At what age did you Well well I was disaffected probably I, I was an apostate Catholic by probably the sixth grade when my mother used to give me money to go to church and I go buy a pack of cigarettes and hang out on a railroad track. Well, you were a bad boy. <laughs> you were bad and you ended up in prison, right? <laughs> you you didn't behave well at all. Say la vie. That's that's the way it works out. Well, well, yeah, I, I um, really got turned off from school when, when, um, from, from, and from Catholicism, and on, when I was in the tenth grade, and I was an honor student. I, I was straight A's, ninety. I was going to say, I bet you were real smart, and that's why you got turned off to everything. Well, well, right, early age. I was ejected from school because my mother didn't have the tuition money. Oh. And it, they wouldn't let me start junior year. Were you brought up by a mother and a father, or just your mother? Well, well, yes, but they were separated at that point, and and she didn't have the tuition money. And and the Catholic school that I was a straight A student at for two years said, okay, he can't come back. Oh, that's stupid, isn't it? That's terrible. They so didn't I, have any went, kind of scholarship programs. I went to a yeah. public school. Well, that's for, one thing uh, that's been criticized about the Catholic Church that it all comes down to money. It all comes down to money. Yeah. And, and I realize that. I mean, that. everything has to be paid for with them. I, I'm from a Catholic family, but I but, was well, not brought up Catholic. I left public school after about six weeks and never went back. I, I only have a 10th grade education. Well, what are you doing? Why should anybody listen to you? <laughs> That's it. We're supposed to listen to these PhD guys. Well, well, those PhD, PhD guys, they're, they're polluted. They're, they're um, I had a boss once. That, that said that men go to school to wear ties to work, and they wear ties to work to stay stupid. That, that's what it was. <laughs> and, and he was an Army captain, and, and he was an Army captain who was the vice president of a company where I was a um, a, a technology manager, self-taught. And, and uh, I'm not bragging. It's just that you can educate yourself. Yes, you can. Well, you know, I, I had an education, but, uh, well, I got, to, got I managed to get a bachelor's degree. But I didn't think uh, that I I was uh, I didn't I didn't learn any I mean I wasn't educated from that I all education comes from the education you give yourself if you have a really good education you can it you know you can be educated from it but I didn't I had a typical you know and there was better than what we have now I guess but I don't I didn't think of it as having having been very good just a you know well, well American, at one point uh, in my life school. I had. At one point in my life, I had good people working for me who had college degrees but stopped learning the day they got their degree. And because they stopped learning the day they got their degree, I wasn't working for them. And, yeah. and it, it's, that's their attitude. That's the, it's the education is what you want to make of it, and, and you can become educated without – the the, um, the the rigmarole of, of the university system and and most people go to the university today to party anyway and, and not to well, learn at all. Well, now they go they go because they they're told you can't get a good job without a college degree, so they go for that reason. And I know when I was in college, nobody cared even then what about an education. All they cared that was party time. All they cared about was getting that degree. That's all that mattered. Then you had the degree, and you went on from there. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, we've been going on for a long time, and I, I wonder if uh, people... 
Well, well, we never get to we never did get to Jim Condit, but we could always go back to him one day. I, I hope sure. to have a religious debate with him soon, but because he thinks he's going to tell me about religion. I wish you could. Have you, have you been writing to him and asking him to set it up, or asking? Well, well, like, that's Mike, Mike and, and Mike already contacted him once, and he had to put it off. But but maybe a couple more. Weeks. I, I would think he'd be scared to death, but he's pretty he's pretty cocky, and I think he's pretty confident about. Uh, you know, about what he knows about religion, but it's all pretty, uh, I don't, you know, I, uh, well, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, right. I well, can't imagine him. I, well, knowing how he argues about the rest of the stuff, I can't imagine he'd do any better on religion. Well, no. you and I both oh. had a debate with him, too. And, and I tried. And then we both got, got on with Charles and got trashed. So somehow we've, we've followed a similar path here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That, that's okay. We'll get Condit and we'll get Charles in the end. <laughs> yeah, somebody needs to get Condit. That you know, the problem with my debate with him was that it wasn't a debate, and yours wasn't what good enough of it wasn't enough of a debate. Either in a debate, in order to make it really work, you have to enforce the rules, debate rules. You know, you can't let people talk whenever they want or change the subject, go off here, there, and not, and not respond. If somebody brings something up, up you know, makes a point. I don't know. I I I should have taken. I should have gone into debating when I was in high school. I I find that that I'm really I'm really a natural debater. But I I didn't. Uh, I never thought I wanted to do that then. But um, uh, you, you bring up a point, and then the other person gets to counter that point. And if they are able to counter your point, you know, you can't then uh, switch off to something else or not answer it. You have to defend yourself. And, and don't you have to, I mean, somebody should be keeping score, or you, or do you have, Can um, I guess the, the debaters don't uh, have to say, well, you won that point or I lost or something. Have to well, say, well, the score but, is But he, he never concedes that he's been beat. You know, you, you, can, no. you can just destroy his point, and he won't concede it. Condit is one of those Jews that Hitler described who got their asses kicked every day in the debate and walks back into the room the next day like nothing ever happened yesterday and started the same stuff. Oh, I remember saying again. that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's Jim Condit. Yeah, yeah, he is. And, uh, and of course he has he's an agenda. A... He doesn't care about the truth. He has an agenda. And okay, he's my, promote... my theory is that he is... He is with the Polish Catholics. He got tied in. He's a friend of the Poles because the Poles are so Catholic. Uh, they are the most Catholic nation uh, on earth, I think. Uh, yes, they, really... Well, Southern Ireland might be a little more, but that's okay. It's debatable. Well, I think the Irish are a little more independent of that today, but it may, may maybe not. Uh, I don't know that much about Ireland. I know they're, they're traditionally Catholic, but it seems to me that a lot of them are kind of falling away from that. But Anyway, uh, Poland, the Poles are very Catholic, and and so is so is uh, Condit. He's a traditional Catholic. Uh, he doesn't like the modern Catholic Church, and that's fine. But then he got in with these Poles who hate uh, the Germans and have their own agenda for what what they want to present for World War II, and they hate Hitler so much, and so they've come up with this stuff. And this Polish Catholic guy approached Jim Condit to uh, death disseminate this information and so Condon agreed and so he's disseminating the information but he doesn't know himself anything about it you know he, he doesn't he doesn't understand it 
he's just well, well, he there can't get and passes out these 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 <laughs> these mimeograph sheets and stuff and shows them on. And that that uh, <laughs> that that film that what's it called that CD that he made uh, uh, that video that he made and he sells is the most crummy made thing. He's sitting there picking his nose, scratching his back. Wow. Uh, you know, I noticed him one time actually picking his nose during. Oh, if you no. if you watch, you'll see it. And <laughs> and then I pointed out to Deanna Spingola that he doesn't. I thought something looked strange. He he has a short sleeve shirt on under his coat, his suit coat, suit jacket. It's probably uh, you know, maybe the lights were hot or something. But it's. So therefore, he's got his hands out there all, the whole time, you know, far forward because he's showing papers and stuff. And he's got these hairy arms, you know, that you can see through that suit coat without a white cup, you know, shirt cuffs, which would look decent. And he just looks horrible. And uh, and then they put this out, but nobody cares if people buy it. The whole thing is so shoddy. Um, he should be ashamed of himself, but he's not. Well, well Condit claims to be anti-Zionist and, and to a point yeah, anti-Jewish. And, and I, I tried to take a biblical tack with him because he claimed to be a Catholic. If I was debating you on that he issue, is. and I know you're not a Catholic or, or and a he's, And he's Irish, you know, he's Irish right. Catholic, yeah. But I wouldn't go into religion with you on the issue because you're, 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 you're not, that, that's not the way no. to address a non-Catholic about Jews. But he's a yeah. Catholic, and he should know about Jews. Yet, when um, he uses all Jewish sources of information for everything he says about Hitler. And, and you know, I went to his political website, and, and Condit for Congress 2010.com or whatever it is. I went to his political website, and he had a news page. And I went to the news page, and I saw he's sending people to news to drudge to the Wall Street Journal, the, and, and to World Net Daily. And all of these are Jewish neocon shill news outlets. None of them are real news outlets. They're all, if, if you want to know what the Jewish neocons want in the world, you just go to Drudge or the World Net Daily. And, and, well, and, 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 then, and then all these books that he uses in that video for his presentation, they're mostly by Jews. Right. The vast majority of them are by Jews. And then he'll say, well, the Jews know if, you know, if you want to, if the Jews are saying this, then, uh, you know, they, they, they wouldn't, uh, oh, he gets it all confused. You know, they, they wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't true. And then he'll say, then you'll, then you'll talk about another book that he uses by a Jew and he, he misrepresents it. And I said, this book, and I, I quoted the page number and I quoted the, the thing and everybody knows it too, uh, that this book does not back up what he says about Hitler being a Jew or a Zionist. And then he says, well, that's a Jew. That's written by a Jew. Why would they? You know, you can't trust that. So he totally contradicts himself about his sources. I mean, it's well, so well, ridiculous. You know, he, you it, know, it, so these debates, should, somebody, should, somebody who knows how debates, you know, is a debate expert, should be keeping score so that at the end of the darn debate, you, you can have show that Condit lost it. But, no, he goes around saying he won it. <laughs> yeah, right. It's uh. a joke. The the um uh. the, the idea to a true Christian, a Jew is always a liar. And and that's right in the New Testament. Who is a liar but he who de denies that Jesus go. is the Christ? Go. 
And that's he what Hitler said, too. An Antichrist. He said they right. always lie. And, and that's why I like to say when a Jew moves his lips, he's lying. Every Jew has an agenda, especially when it comes to Germany, Hitler, and World War II. So to me, the idea of Jewish historian is an absolute oxymoron. A Jew can't be a historian. You can't uh, no, be a Jew no, no. and be a historian. No, no. It's like blind pilot. It, yeah. it's, it, it can't exist. Well, well, I would rather see a blind pilot than a Jewish historian. And, and I would rather get in the plane with a blind <laughs> pilot than believe a Jewish historian when I read his book. That, that's well, that's I how wouldn't want to be in the think. position of believing what they write. I don't know. But, why do, what is your answer to, uh, if this is all by God, uh, why, why do we have these Jews? I've often well, thought, why, why do we have to deal with these Jews? And well, why this can is they the, do um, so much damage? If we read the Revelation, we get to a point where because of our own iniquity, because we love oh, trade yeah. and and we love the world more than we love God. That the well, I heard you saying be... that on when I listened to your program with Giuliani. I heard you it was you know you got a lot in there, and I heard you say all that. He was trying to say, oh, that's crazy, but um, not until but you know not until the end. He goes along with you pretty much. Let's just say he did that with me too. And then well, at the well, end, I, when he gets some callers call in, and then these callers are trying to, you know, really denounce everything you say, then he jumps on the bandwagon with the caller. That's right, that's right. And then he goes on from then when when the show's over, he doesn't give you a decent, you know, well, goodbye well, he, or thank you or anything. And and then uh, he goes off the next day, comes back the next day, and starts attacking all on his own. It's just it's well, talk about. Uh, Cowardly. Just, I have to say the word here. He is such a coward. He is a coward. He's an intellectual coward. phony. And, and That's right. if I got under his skin where he had to talk about nothing but me for two days after the day I was on his program, and he was still talking about me three weeks later, <laughs> that, then I did my job. That's right. That's right. That, that That's the way to look at it. It shocked me because I never... I, I just couldn't believe he, he anybody would do that. He would get on there and talk about a person he had on as a guest the very next day when they weren't there and, and say the things he was saying about me. I just right. couldn't. I, I couldn't. Well, well CharlesGiuliani.com, I would recommend that website to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, now, tried now, that. I tried that. I, I really don't want to let you go until we talk about your work. And, and, and if you want to give us the quick rundown, there was already a couple of questions in the chat. Do you think anybody there's, still wants uh, – there's a lot of people here. I can't believe it. Do you think they'll they really be want here until 2 a.m. if we're still here, <laughs> most. I, I would bet. It'll well, be my work, uh, well, my work is, uh, you know, I just keep working. Um, well, well, let's just hear the quick rundown about your Auschwitz work, your book, you can plug your book, and, and your Eli Weasel tattoo work. Okay, yeah, well, I can plug some of that. Yes, I wrote uh, after I took a trip to Europe, and I went to three um, uh, camp memorials, the Holocaust memorial sites, and one was Auschwitz in Poland. And uh, when I came back, I wanted to write up something about my experience at Pol in Pol at, at Auschwitz, uh, Birkenau, which wasn't as I didn't wasn't able to spend as much time there as I as I sh wanted to because of my restricted you know time schedule. I wanted to see a lot while I was there. So, um, but anyway, I started uh, or I wrote a, I wrote wrote a report, and then I was talking to uh, Paul Angel at 
the Barnes Review, well, he's both at Orange and Free Press and Barnes Review. Uh, he he does all the production, and he said he was uh, he had started this little booklet on uh, on Auschwitz, and maybe I would like to take it over and uh, and do it. He sent it to me, and, and I saw what he had. It wasn't it wasn't very good. He said, well, he just grabbed some stuff off the internet and threw it together. That's as far as he had gotten. And I said, well, yeah, because if you're going to put something out, it needs to be, you know, a lot better than this. So I started working on it, and and he wanted to publish it uh, at a spe- for their special uh, so many year anniversary. But I didn't have it ready, you know. I I got really got into it, and so we missed that. And I kept working on it, and uh, and when I finally sent it to him, he thought it was just uh, excellent the way it was. So uh, he he does such a great job of layout. Anyway. It finally got uh, put together and it finally got published, and it's called um, Auschwitz: The Underground Guided Tour. Uh, the the what the uh, tour guides don't tell you at Auschwitz Birkenau because I got conned into taking a tour while I was there rather than just looking around on my own. I was I was uh, there uh, with a friend, and so uh, we. So I experienced what a tour is like, and my gosh, uh, that was interesting in itself. So that's how the book kind of revolved around uh, what they don't show you, you know, and and what they do say and so on. So that's available at uh, at the Barnes Review, or you can buy it also from Kodo Bookstore. Uh, Ten dollars. Uh, it's because it's only forty-eight pages. I was supposed to be limited to sixty pages, and I thought I had way over sixty, you know, not knowing. Uh, not knowing how to judge how many no they didn't tell me I should have asked how many words are on a page or something uh so uh when he got it done it was 48 and I didn't want to really I want I added a few more pages it wasn't quite 48 uh, I got to add a little more material but I think I've gotten very good comments on it and it's considered to be really the best book of that type which that type means a very short <laughs> condensed pictorial, you know, booklet, uh, which is very good to give to people, uh, not that most people are going to believe it or accept it, but, you know, give to people who might be open to it a little bit as a quick a way to to uh, learn about it because they it doesn't take that long to read. It's, it's well written. There's lots of little pictures in it, um, and uh, it's pretty interesting. So there's that. And then I did then this uh, series with Wilhelm Mann. He did the translating of uh, Hermann Giesler's book, his memoir, uh, Ein Anderer Hitler, another Hitler. He was he was uh, Hitler's second favorite architect, you would say, after uh, Speer, Albert Speer. Speer and I famous. actually followed some of that for the Valkyrie program that I did, right? Yes, I, did. I followed yeah, Joel yeah. entirely, and yes, I I brought in some other work from peripheral, you know, reference. Yeah. But I followed. Yeah, him. well, you know, Herman Giesler, he he was right there. I believe he told the truth. I believe he was a truthful recorder. Uh, Hitler really liked him in the last few years when uh, he spent more time with Giesler working on the plans for Linz and Munich. But he was especially fond of Linz, and he couldn't really—they couldn't do any of this work, you know, once the war was really going like that. So, but he still right. insisted on working on the, on the plans because it was so enjoyable for him. And he just—Hitler was such an artist. 
I mean, what what I what I really learned from doing uh, we did about uh, thirteen or more I, I, I forget um, different articles uh, based on different chapters in the book. The book is very long, but a lot of it is too technical to for for general interest. But um, Hitler, I did not know that I knew that Hitler was an artist when he was young. He painted and stuff. But I did not know he was so engrossed in the arts and such a connoisseur too. You know, and he was an excellent artist. All the right. arts, all the arts, music too. And he really knew what he was talking. He he really understood it. And he he was upset when uh, when he thought some of the other national socialists were, you know, too plebeian or didn't really understand that or fell asleep at the concerts and stuff. You know, <laughs> uh, you know he'd look around and they'd be sitting there sleeping and you know, but. Uh, he he was he was totally he was totally the artist, and he was he was so gifted, he was such a special man that uh, whatever he really wanted to learn, he learned and he became so expert in it. And he had he had several directions that he could have gone in, and he just got um, he for some reason. Well, I think he was I think it was a kind of a destiny that uh, he he became he was so. He cared so much about Germany. He really did. That's why this idea that he was a Zionist working for Rothschild and all that is so nonsensical. And if people actually knew anything about him and really read about him, they would they would recognize that that's totally impossible. He was he was so devoted to Germany for whatever reason. He loved Germany and uh, the German people, and he it just hurt him so much. What happened after World War One? Of course, not only had he well, been in that war all those years, four years at the front, but uh, but the, the the humiliation of Germany that took place afterwards just just cut into him, and he determined he would become a politician and see what he could do about it. That's that's why that happened, and he gave up. Well, all well, right, that's absolutely a, a totally fair examination of the real Adolf Hitler. Because he did love his race. He did love his nation. Yes. And anybody who loves their race and their nation, and especially if they're a Christian, and, and that's not required, but who reads Mein Kampf, if anybody who understands the Jews, and, and I grew up in, in, you know, right outside of New York City, anybody who really understands the Jew and Jewish work and the way the Jews think, and and I've read enough of the Talmud to do that and, and many other writings, right? And then reads Mein Kampf and sees the way Adolf Hitler thought. There is no way that a Jew or an agent or even a Catholic Jesuit could have written Mein Kampf because they don't understand the things that are deeply woven into the fabric of Mein Kampf. They don't understand. The Jew does not understand an Aryan's love for his people, his race, his nation. The Jew doesn't understand true Christian philosophy. Everything the Jew does is is for show, and, and, and it's done baldaciously. The philosophies in Mein Kampf are very subtle, and, and they are part of the fabric of the book. If you take them out, the book crumbles. There's nothing left. And, and the, the, the things that Hitler wrote in Mein Kampf the Jew well, this, takes us, this, this takes us to Ellie Weasel, because Ellie Weasel is another person that I've, I've focused on a lot. And uh, how that happened, uh, it just happened. But 
Uh, I'll, I'll describe that in a minute. But, you know, he, in all of his writings, he emphasizes how he loves his Jewish people. And, you know, and, and he is a, he, he is Jewish through and through. I mean, he, he is Jew, 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 and he doesn't deny it. He's for the Jews. He, he, he only really cares about the Jews. He pr- practically says that, but then, you know, he tries to act like he's a, well, I was thinking that Weasel would probably take it to the point of caricature rather than true. Well, I don't know what I don't know what that guy feels. I don't I don't know what it what it is with him. I don't know what it is with Jews. But a lot of them seem very devoted to being a Jew. They feel very connected as a Jew. Uh, they they don't want to. They certainly don't want to deny or cover up or be a crypto Jew. Not somebody like Weasel. And uh, he. Uh, but I can't. Like you, I mean, I go along with what you say. They're not like we are. And uh, so I don't know what their love of, of the, their own people is because they want to go and destroy all the other people. You know, we don't have that in our in our love of our people where we have to destroy all the other people. So there's something, well, you just say that they're the devil. Like, you know, they're the devil. But anyway, I, uh, you know, I was on Kodo, uh Forum. And I, I had I hadn't gotten on there for for a, it took me a long time to ever sign up to get on there. But I when I did I got going <laughs> great guns. And then somebody we got we're talking about Ellie Weasel's tattoo. And uh, of course Eric Hunt had been connected with Ellie Weasel, and uh, he got on there sometimes. And I knew Eric. And we're t- and I'm and somebody said we should have a contest. You know. Uh, $64,000 or, you know, something like that. That goes way back to an old TV show. But uh, for uh, who can, uh, for anybody can get Weasel to show his tattoo. Because we all know, we know, we know he doesn't have one, but we know, but supposedly he has one, but he just doesn't show it. Uh, so I, I really picked up on that. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a, when, when people say things that I want to go and do something about, or I want other people, I want somebody to do something about it. I don't want us all to just keep sitting there talking and then you know uh forget about it which is what mostly happens with with most people but uh well i shouldn't say that because everybody is is trying to you know communicate with other people and so on i hope they are anyway uh so i got talking about we need to ha- we need to have a website we do this and do that and then i got bradley i wrote to bradley i didn't even really know bradley and i said there's this conversation going on maybe you should look at it and he got on there and looked at it and then, and he talked a little bit and then he wrote to me and said well it seems like you're the one that should start this website and he said he would uh he, he would go along with it we talked about it a little bit i guess and he would do it as a Kodo website and i said all right and there i was suddenly you know we were we were working on getting this website built created by his uh webmaster and uh once we did i i had the job of uh i i thought i would get all kinds of people to write for it, you know, and to contribute and participate and this and that, because I thought there would be this great interest in it. Well, no, nobody's ever, um, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, sent anything in. I've asked people, and people say, oh, yeah, okay, I'll work on it, and they don't come up with anything. You know, uh, I got going on it, and I did so much research, and what I have, what I have accumulated there is probably more about Ellie Weasel than you'll ever find anywhere else, or you up to now that you will find anywhere else. I, I think myself, if I do say so myself, 
I have become the expert on Ellie Weasel. And some people have told me that, but I already know it. I know more about Ellie Weasel than anybody else. And so I think people feel like they don't have anything to add or, or whatever. You know, they'd have to really study hard to, to do that. So I have made a lot of progress with uh, exposing all kinds of things about him. And my goal is to make it clear to everyone that he was not an inmate at Auschwitz uh, or at Buchenwald, that he was he's not a Holocaust survivor, except in the widest sense that he's a Jew who survived that period of time, you know. Um, but a lot of people didn't were against that when I started and didn't particularly like it because they're kind of invested in their stories about how Ellie Weasel behaved and how he lied about this and that. And and they don't really want to think that, or maybe they can't think that he really wasn't there. But I think I've gone a long way in showing that it's more than likely that he wasn't. And I'm still continuing with that work. But uh, the problem is it doesn't get out and around, you know. Uh, It doesn't have the enthusiasm that I thought people would show for it. And it's not my fault because I have done excellent articles and blogs on it. So uh, that's that's what I have to say about that. Well, well, you know, it's hard to get people. There's a lot of people that love my podcast or to talk to me in my chat server, but they don't read my papers. And there's people that read my website that wouldn't come to my chat server, right? I mean, everybody has their own um, – I have my own chat server. There's, there's, everybody has their own outlet, and, and yeah. some people like to read, but a, a lot of people would rather talk or listen. It, it's, yeah, you know, it's the individual. It's the culture. It, it's how much time people have. You know, a lot of people that listen to me are truck drivers. That, that spend a lot of hours on the road, so, so the podcast... Yeah, but, but what I'm doing, you know, everybody hates Ellie Weasel. Everybody except the Jews. You know, they all hate him, and everybody uh, thinks he's a big fraud, and everybody would like to see him be brought down. And yet, uh, well, you know, well, right. so I, I don't do see much... What you do is you take much... a podcast of your Ellie Weasel work, you describe it in, in two hours or an hour and a half, and you put it on YouTube. And you you put it on YouTube with pictures of documents, with pictures of Ellie Weasel. You yeah. get somebody that that's interested. That there's people here that might do it. That that will yeah, take I need somebody pictures. to do that. I I can't I can't do it. Um, I I'm I'm not uh, I'm not willing to take well, well, on that right. kind of a learning but curve. <laughs> there are people that take my podcast. There's so many people and that are so good at it. Yeah, I, I could provide them with the stuff. That I don't even know who they are. There are good people that take my podcasts, match them to pictures, and put them on YouTube. I don't even know who the people are. Well, that's I, what I, I should do. I, that's that's uh, a simple idea. That, I should get somebody to help podcast. me create a Ellie Weasel YouTube. I rather than expecting other people to do YouTube videos on Ellie Weasel, some people did, but they they didn't go anywhere because they weren't long enough. They weren't d- detailed uh, to really show this on YouTube. Uh, uh, yeah, something well, well, could be done where it'd be like 10, 12 minutes or something like that. If you, make you could the get a lot of information. Right, you could go 30 minutes. If you make the soundtrack, you have to have enough sound to to display all of your data because each picture has to be there for a minute and, and not for too long, but for enough to get it embedded and connected to what you're saying in the listener's mind. And, and if you make the soundtrack, I'm sure that, we could interest somebody in putting them to your pictures 
and, and of the documents that you want and, and get it on YouTube. And, and that'll link back to your website so that people can read more. And, and it, it's marketing the truth is hard. It's, you, it's impossible to sell. Yeah, you know, that's just the way it is. People will buy lies. They'll, they'll pay a hundred dollars for lies, right? And they like to hear them too. Right. But, but marketing the truth is hard, but you can get it out there. That would be the thing to do. You're right. Uh, you know, I've been so busy writing. Um, and then I got doing radio, and then that takes a lot of time. I spend all my time working, and yet uh, I still can't, you know, I, if, I don't know how to fit more things in. Like, I don't get enough reading done, real books, you know. I read well, all well the time, I'm, I've been the same way since I left prison. I can't read enough. I'm, I'm trying to go to bed a little earlier every night just to read for half an hour before I go yeah. to sleep. It, it's hard for me to get. And, well, and you, all, you, you know, I don't know how you can keep all this uh website stuff up you do and you do all these podcasts too you do all this study you do all this teaching i do not you you are brainier than i am that's for sure and uh, yeah and you have you have mastered a lot of the technology uh the technical things which i have been resistant to learn more you know i i get i suppose i can do a little bit more a little bit more but i don't want to really take it up because i don't like it I never well, have well, you know something? It. That's what I did for a living before I went to prison, right? For several years. Well, there you go. A lot of a lot of people do know all that, and and I need to get those people to do that part for me. Otherwise, I'd be bogged down till I die trying to put a, <laughs> put a video together. So well, well no the video I don't mess that. with, and, and the yard I'm terrible at, but but the um. This guy in your chat room, North he wrote a job, three meals, and a shower. <laughs> That's a holocaust to a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, well, it's great to have you on tonight. And, and um, if anybody wants to call in, I, I know Aaron, I, I feel bad Aaron was on the line before, and, and I didn't take his call because we were still busy. Oh. But if anybody wants to call in, I'll give you a two-minute window opportunity, and, and I, I'm not going to hold Carolyn up all night. But if you want, her her websites are linked on the front page of Christagenia. This podcast. Yeah, and, yeah it's it, my, website, my website, which you have told me needs to be improved, and I know, because it's just a, a thing that I'm capable of doing myself, and it's uh, carolynyeager.com. Well, well, I'm looking at that, right? I am looking at that. I kind of like uh, simple homemade things, so they <laughs> and I didn't want to get, I didn't want a blog. Like I think it was you that said also you didn't want one because I didn't want to have to write on a blog every day. Uh, and uh, well, I just don't know. I don't know where to go. I might. I was spending a lot of time writing this stuff for Barnes Review, all these uh, Geisler, uh translations, but that's that's come to an end. And I hope that they are going to come out with all of that in a book, you know, one of their paperback book things. Uh, it's scheduled, but uh, whether they'll ever get around to it, um, they, uh, I hope I hope they do. Um, I might. I, 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 there's a big, a lot of things in front of it to do, but anyway. But that's that was a big effort. I'm glad I did it. I think it's valuable. I really love this uh, Herman Giesler. He's a, he was a good, good guy and loyal. He thought so highly of Adolf Hitler, and he never changed. You know, he was in prison for a while. 
he never accepted the denazification. But I guess he made a good enough impression on them as they let him go when they were letting everybody go, you know, these people that they they condemned them to like 20 years in prison. <clears throat> but they hadn't really done anything except been German and done their job as Germans. Right. Exactly. Uh, so they finally, you know, around in the mid-50s, they, they let a whole bunch of them go and early, and Kiesler was one of them. And he went back to his uh, to his uh, to being an architect, and he had two sons with his wife. And he, you know, he just went back to life. But he never talked bad about Hitler, or never he always he never stopped talking good about National Socialism. Now, and not that he was probably going out and talking about it a lot, but you know, he never turned on him like Speer did. Speer did, and uh, but uh, and then he finally got this book written. And he's not the greatest writer. He's got some great passages, but some of his book is kind of, uh, he just writes, his punctuation and everything is kind of weird. So uh, it, it wasn't the easiest job to get it translated. Uh, but we, I think we did a good job. I think we did as good as, as any professional translators were going to do. I came across a couple of uh, translations of passages from his book that other people yeah. had done. And uh, they were very close to ours and a little bit different, but ours was just as good as theirs was. So I thought, well, that's, that's a good sign. I, you know, he did the translating, but he's not that good in in uh, writing good English. So I had to, you know, do that, and we worked together with it to get it. To, we were probably well, trying well, to be a good. little bit too close to uh, to Giesler's, uh, uh way of writing because um, – Wilhelm did not want to change anything. You know, he said, "Well, that's what Ge- that's what Giesler wrote." I said, "Well, I know, but it doesn't sound good." You know, <laughs> and I want right. to change it as well, but that's what he wrote. So we finally compromised on things. And uh, you probably noticed when you were reading. In fact, I listened to you. I listened to those podcasts. I listened to you reading it, and your friend. And sometimes it was kind of hard. I could see, you know, as you're reading along, you're thinking, hey, "What does this mean?" Because uh, some of right. it, it should have been changed into better English. You know, it really should right. have been. Well, well uh, I was confronted with that because I'm also a translator <laughs> of the New Testament, right? I, okay. I have my own. Yeah. And, and John's writing, for instance, quite often he uses the present tense when you would expect the past. And, and I put the present tense. And, and it looks weird in English, but I wanted well, to write what John wrote. You know, so. Germans, Germans use the present tense, too. The te- there's a lot of things that are different in the way that the structure of the German language. I kind of got used to it, you know, uh, from doing all that work with him, uh, with with uh, Wilhelm Mann. And uh, so I, uh, but I, I never don't didn't learn German. I'm too I'm too lazy to do that. Too, it's too much work for me at this point in my life. I'm doing all this other stuff. I can't do it. So well, when we were I, young, I don't have that. Was that the time but, to do that. We should have done that when we were young. My, my grandfather. Yeah. Right. Uh, Right. My, my grandfather knew about three German words, and, and he grew up in a household where his mother spoke fluent German. She was first generation, my grandfather's mother. And, and, well, uh, my, grandparents, my grandparents would speak German, but my mother said, that's not the kind of German you want to learn. I remember I was already probably in junior high school, or at least, and I said, uh, I said to my mother, she, you know, she could say some words, and she could say a few things, you know. And uh, my father, too. And I said, teach me what you know about German. I, you know, I always had this idea I wanted to learn it, but I never could, uh, never gave it the time because 
I thought, what am I going to do with it? How am I going to, who am I going to talk to? But uh, that was a big mistake. I should have gone into it when I was young and my mind was better able. But uh, my mother said, you don't want to learn that German. That's a dialect. Well, now I've learned that there's all kinds of German dialects, and they're very valid. Yes, there are. And there's nothing wrong with them. And But yes. my mother was so, you know, uh, she thought it had to be like they teach in school, you know, uh, the, the high right. German. And... Uh, and she didn't want me to go around saying things that I guess, you know, parents, I don't know. Well, well I wanted yeah. to take German in, in school. All through grammar school, I wanted to take German. And, and mm-hmm. um, when I got to high school, they had dropped German. All the high schools that I applied for, and I was accepted to all of them, but they had all dropped German three years or, or two years or three years before I got to high school, 1974. And, and um, I'm sorry. Yeah, 1970. Well, we didn't. We didn't have German in my high school. I took French, and all well, I well, did they, was they left me a choice had between Spanish French and French. Right. Exactly. We must be around yeah. the same age. Well, well um, I, I, yeah. I could not. To me, the French always sounded way too feminine, and I couldn't speak that yeah, way. I and I, I, I ended up settling for Spanish. Two years of Spanish, and I took well, a year. Well, I of didn't life. learn. I didn't learn to speak French in that French class. You know, my school. Uh, you know, we were such spoiled students, and uh, we uh, we terrorized. We had a French teacher who who had come from. She had been teaching in university, so she wasn't used to to high school kids. And they found her so that they could have a French class. And it was her first year there. And we just treated her. We terrorized her. We treated her terribly. And she didn't know how to get control of the class. We girls, a bunch of girls. It was all girls in the class and one boy in that French class. And uh, and so, you know, that didn't work too well. But she didn't, wasn't a good teacher for us either. Uh, the whole thing was, you know, I, I memorized all these words. I could spell them and I could say some things. But talk about uh, even begin to have a conversation, even rudimentary, forget it. You know, it was, it was a waste of time. But a part of that was our fault, you know. But then, you know, you have to. We had teachers who who could control the class and teachers who couldn't. Well, well, when I got into um in, into prison, I knew just enough Spanish to make the Mexicans think that I might figure out what they're saying, so they were afraid to talk around me. Yeah. So, so that was good. That was funny too, but it was good. That's what they like to do. When I was a teacher in uh, his, in uh, Mexican schools, a majority Mexican. Uh, here in Texas, uh, they wanted to talk Spanish. You know, they're not supposed to, but they wanted to talk Spanish so that uh, I wouldn't know what they were saying. Right. Rude. Well, all you need to know is 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 a few conversational sentences, and that's about all I could remember in a few dozen words. Yeah, I did that. I said some things to them, and then they got this shocked look on their face. But I thought uh, I'm I'm in trouble here because I can't go any further than this. You know. <laughs> But they said, oh, you know Spanish? I said, well, I know enough to hear you to know what you're saying. Right. And they said, oh, <laughs> Yeah, that shuts them up. They don't want to talk yeah. about you. <laughs> that's right. I just now remembered that. Well, back to that's That's about my focus is uh, the Holocaust. Uh, so I did that book on Auschwitz, and I did uh, the articles on, on Hitler uh, from uh, Giesler's writing about Hitler. Well, I learned so much, and I'm still, you know, what I'd really like to do, Bill, is to sit down and read 
to have all kinds of reading time. Uh, maybe I should, you know, somebody needs to lock me up. And uh, I could do it, but I just keep getting caught up in all this communication on the Internet and so on and all this pre- preparation for this and that and writing another article for El- on Ellie Weasel and one thing after another, and I don't, I don't get all this, but I would, there's so much, so many Hitler books I want to read that I haven't read yet, and even just all his speeches. And then I want to read things by Goebbels. I like all these guys. I've, I've read quite a bit. I've read quite a bit. I got all these books piled up that I've already read, but, and then I, I tend to forget that, that I read that and what, what was in it. I can't, you know, you can't well, well, hold all that. Is stuff. that how you pronounce it, Goebbels? Because I always butcher it. I know. But well, hold on. I he, just, he I just say brilliant. it that way because it's the easiest. It's, you know, it's impossible to say that word, Goebbels, somehow. But then people do too much of the R, and then they say Goebbels, and people start calling them Goebbels. And well, that's terrible. So I just say Goebbels, but it's really you know, I, I can't quite get that. I can't get those. Uh, well, well I did a, um, I have a, 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 a Christian identity book. I have a site for a subdomain, sensedius.christogenia.org. And um, I proofread the German by comparing the text, the, the scanned text, to the to the images, right, to make sure that all the letters were correct. Mm-hmm. And, and I proofread it as good as I could. But but that was when I decided that my German ancestors came to America to flee the language. Oh, I love the language. I love well, the how language. How do you pronounce the consecutive a- consonants? How do you pronounce that? That, and they got well, third-letter words, and, and yeah, I, I picked on the language from proofreading it, right? <laughs> they have words with five and six consecutive how, how do you pronounce I can't even that's just uh, That's just linking separate words together. The right? The, you mean those, those long words? That's just I, like if you, just, you could separate them and put a space between them like we do, but they just put it all together. And uh, well, you just pronounce it as, you know, like one syllable after the other. S-C-H-F-A-F-T-S. Uh, how do you pronounce that? I can't. Oh, S-C-H is usually, uh, uh, like, it's very weird. Speer, spelled S-P-E-E-R in German, is pronounced Speer. Speer. Or Speer. Speer. It's not even A sound. It's an E sound, but it's that uh, and there's no ch in it. It's just sp. And yet sometimes these things that are sch are not pronounced that way. Uh, and sometimes they are sh- usually sh. Oh, I don't know what word you're talking about, but yeah. Well, uh, uh, I think I would have more. Fi- I think it would be easier for me to learn German, but it's it's too. Le- I'm too busy now. I mean, I'm just not going to take the time, and it would. To really learn a language, you have to go and speak it with people. You can't just learn it out of right. Well, well, right. I could read Coin Greek, but I wouldn't try speaking it, or or um, or even I wouldn't even try writing it because I don't know how to speak. Well, you know enough. You don't need to learn any more languages. (laughs) You need to just put out what you know. Well, we 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 can never stop learning. And no, I I I wouldn't want to. I love it. I'm so glad that I can spend my time now doing what I'm doing. I, I've, I'm, I'm just happy as can be doing what I'm doing. Well, well, it's wonderful. I mean, we need people doing what you're doing, and and I'd love to see you come on 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 talk show and do a program here. And and um, 
and, and we'll see about your website, but but we'll, we'll we'll try to get a wider audience for some of your work. It, it surely deserves it. I, I mean, the, the Eli Weasel stuff, the Holocaust stuff, the, the well, the Herman Eli Weasel stuff, stuff, I think uh, especially should. I mean, it should have a wider audience. Uh, if people uh, people people are interested, I guess they're waiting. They don't know what to. Do. I mean, what are they going to do? There's probably every other person you speak to, every other white person would say, oh, yeah, he's a big fraud, and I'd like to see him brought down. But then they leave it at that. I mean, nobody believes in him. But the fact he's still there, you know, like in the history books, you know, officially he's got all those prizes and awards. He's still considered to be, to have been a real Holocaust survivor. And the whole thing, what bothers me is that he has lied. He he knows he's lying. I am convinced he has been lying about this from way back, and he's gotten this help from Israel and the Mossad and the, you know, the Ergun and all those, all those Jews and so on, those big Jews that, that help him out and protect him. And, and he's made this big career, uh, out of it. Well, and, right, and the show based business. on a lie. And this, this needs, this, this needs to be changed. You know, I, it just irritates the heck out of me. Well, well a couple of YouTubes and, and some links in the right place yeah. can, can do that. I, I mean, what we like, I believe, uh, like this is Jew, and and Mike talks about him a lot. He, he, I don't know if you listened to the podcast I did last week with Mike Delaney on nine eleven. Right? It's very good. But, I listened to the whole thing. Good. It was we, long. Your things are long. <laughs> Well, well, I, I believe in in depth and depth of content, right? I don't yes. want to just scrape the surface and move on, right? Well, you guys did some in... real good things, and and I really I really enjoyed it. Uh, I haven't I didn't watch his film. I don't watch I don't look at uh, 9/11 films anymore. I looked at him in the beginning, and I don't have any doubts about you know what it is. And so I, I, I really think it. you should probably watch Mike's film because Mike isn't trying to tell you what happened. He's just throwing enough information up there about all the different facets of how this could have been done, that the Jews did have access to this, access to that, access to, you know, that all the possibilities were there. And then he's showing you how the buildings couldn't, it, it had to be a controlled demolition, right? And, and he, he just throws enough that information out there to prove that the Jews were behind it and to make you think about how they did it, right? He's not yeah. trying to say, oh, it was suitcase nukes or, oh, it was definitely thermite. No, I, I know that that's, that that's what his, his video is about. And uh, I think I'm familiar with all those things because I listen to your program. I'm familiar with all those stuff. Uh, right. Well, well, all yeah, those incidents, all those things that prove the Jews. I, I read I in the first few years after 2004, I was, I was studying – 9-11 stuff all the time. Uh, that was, you know, reading everything, and uh, I kept up with everything for a long time. Now they're arguing about this no planes. I never followed the no planes thing, but now that I know what it is, uh, I, I don't believe it at all. So uh, we're well, back well, that's to the just approach, I think. The I, basic... I brought it up. I'm sorry. I brought it up because, like, this Dr. Sabrowski, right, he's a Jew, he, he works at the Army War College. He's a professor. And, and I think he got embarrassed into admitting Israeli complicity behind 9-11, right? Because there's so much evidence out there that proves it that, that some Jews are just going to get embarrassed into admitting it. 
But where they have, and, and I think that's like Norman, Norman Finkelstein. He is embarrassed into exposing the Jews that are making a business out of the Holocaust, right? And, and I think that that could be done with Eli Weasel, where if you put enough convincing evidence, if we get it out there, that some Jews are going to become embarrassed into admitting that Eli Weasel was a fraud. Yet, you know, all these little things put cracks in the walls of the foundations. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, I think 9-11 is, is like, uh, it's kind of like uh, Ellie Weasel that, um, I mean, every, it's so, it's so evident, although there are people who still don't want to, uh, I don't, I'm not going to take the time to say, but there's somebody I know who, uh, keeps resisting, keeps saying, he, he, he just can't believe that the government killed 3,000 people in order to, <laughs> can you believe that? Right. He can't believe our government would kill 3,000 of its own people. Uh, you know, God, how naive. Well, well that's I, why Mike started out his 9-11 movie with shots of the USS Liberty, shots of, of the, you know, the King David Hotel incident and, and the Operation Susanna to show Jewish treachery, that pattern of Jewish treachery in the past. Where, where the, the USS Liberty incident, the government oh, sure. was willing to give up one of our most yeah. advanced spy, spy ships and its whole crew. Lyndon Johnson was God, willing to You know, they not off. only would kill those 3,000, they've killed a, a, a million people in Iraq and Afghanistan. Right. They don't care. Well, oh, right. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know what's wrong with people, but, you know, they just don't want to confront the whole thing that's really what it is they might even know but then they turn around and go about life and still vote for a republican or a democrat or whatever you know well, and so, and so they this, don't know it they get away with all this treachery because the holocaust lie holds up and they cry persecution and our ancestors have well, a term for that that they call it crocodile tears right i mean the Jews well, I, I agree with you on that, and I've been saying that for uh, well before I got my my radio program on on VOR. I got I was on some program on there with Tom Sunick, and a, and the point I wanted to make to him and to the listeners was that you're never going to turn around this uh, hatred of Germany and this 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 uh, uh, the the way they. Uh, the way they disparage Germans and, and, and bring Germany back into the into a normal as a normal nation until you deal with the Holocaust and and this whole idea of who Hitler was. It's an incredible and they don't burden want to of go guilt. There. They yeah, have laid an much. incredible burden and, and they, of guilt. But they think they can go along, they can accept the Holocaust, uh, they can ignore it or whatever and let it go on the way it is. They can they can trash leave Hitler in the trash bin. And still, they're going to bring a Germans Germans pride back. Never, never. No, I'm never. glad you think that too, because this this is at the core of of why I do what I'm doing. Really, because uh, th- you know, th- they're killing Germany now. They're killing uh, the whole white race. <laughs> you know, they're, they're killing us. Well, well, that's Germany. What was the nucleus of of white Christian Europe for a thousand years? And and other countries in the periphery did great things at times to save Germany, but Germany is our nucleus. Uh, I mean, the Serbs, you know, the Serbs at Kosovo when they fought the Turks, that they didn't defeat the Turks, but they made it so costly 
that the Turks couldn't um, advance any longer into Europe until 1680, when when they had Austria under siege, right? But that didn't last, thankfully. But but yes, the Serbs did a great sacrifice in in Kosovo. That the uh, Charles Martel in France beat the Muslims back, right? I mean, the nations in the periphery of Germany did some great things to stand up and defend our race from invaders in the past. And and all of that, by the way, the Turkic invasions of Europe, that was at the insistence of the Jew, okay? The Moors that invaded Spain, when Islam invaded Spain, Christian Spain, and destroyed Gothic Spain, it's the Jews that were behind that. Yeah. Yeah. When the Mongols invaded Eastern Europe, and Martin Luther wrote this, it's the Jewish merchants that opened the gates of the cities to the Mongol hordes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they, well, they've always they've always done it. They've well, well always absolutely. Done it, as you're saying, you know, that's, that's what you're saying. Well, I don't know. Uh, it it makes me sick that they're so powerful. Just makes me sick. But if well, they well, got even thousands. more powerful, it would really be sickening. If I was in the hands. I, I don't think about this much because I don't think it's going to happen. But if I thought it really could happen or was likely, if I was in the hands of Jews, the way those SS men and those Germans were after after the uh, defeat in '45 and being tortured and, and humiliated by those Jews, boy, I would sure wish I had a cyanide capsule to chew into. I that is the that is the absolute worst thing to consider. Well, well, Jewish power is always based on the big lie. Jewish power is always based on the big lie. They're God's chosen people. No, they're not. That they're they're persecuted innocently. No, they're not. It's Jew, all Jewish power is based on lies and truth. If, if there's a God in heaven, truth will prevail. And I think that that's certainly the fact. In the end, we do win. I have no doubt. We should. <laughs> we will. I'm glad you have no doubt. Well, you know, uh, I don't want to keep uh, talking about Adolf Hitler, so I think he's the only person who ever did anything good because uh, all those Germans, there are a lot of great Germans at that time. And, you know, um, uh, but uh, he 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 believes that. E- even when the, the, he faced the terrible uh, defeat, uh, he, he still... He still knew, I'm sure, that uh, in the end we would we would win because we have to. He, he constantly Somehow. called on Jehovah to destroy the evil, wicked Jew, and and <laughs> that's the story of Christian identity. That's the message of Christian identity that God will destroy His enemies, and and no no matter the vehicle He uses to do it, we will prevail. Yeah, well. To prevail to another day. I've really enjoyed this, but I think I've run out of steam. Here. Well, well, it's now, been three hours. hours. I'm just warming up. I'm, I'm staying. I've been staying. <laughs> yeah, up you, you are. Tre- I think you are a tremendously strong man. I'm glad you are because uh, we need strength. So uh, I'm. Uh, I'm always. Well, well, thank you for strong. being here. It's been a real pleasure, and, and um, I'm sure the people here just love you and, and would like to hear you again someday. But may, maybe on your own talk show channel soon, or you, you could um. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to set. I'm going to try to set one up. Uh, I'm not going to leave my Heretics Hour program, but I would well, like I, well, to have a, another space. You, you want to give us the details about the Heretics Hour? The, the, 
Oh uh, yeah, well the Heretics Hour is uh is a program that I've uh, been on for almost uh, I've had for almost 2 years now, I think. Um uh what well, well, where is just a little what, over I... a year. No, 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 no. Maybe maybe I'm going on a year and a half. And um and it's uh Monday nights on Voice of Reason which can be reached at www.reasonradio. No, Reason Radio Network. I often leave that network off. ReasonRadioNetwork.com. That's it's easy uh, to find. And uh, I'm on Monday nights, and I'm now two hours. Uh, uh, for the last two weeks, I've been two hours, and uh, the second hour is for call-ins. And, you know, I didn't even think about doing that in the beginning, but after I was on uh, RBN with the call-ins, and it's it's nice to get callers. So uh and when I when I was uh, canceled at RBN I told uh, Mike Connor I said uh right right away I said I'd like to go for two cuz nobody he never did fill that other that hour after mine on Monday night. I guess nobody wanted to do Monday night. I like I like being on Monday night start out the week. But anyway, uh he said sure fine. He said I just have to get a number, you know, a, a, a toll number. So I said, well, do it. I want to do it. We'll start right away, you know. Uh, so, cause I, I'm, I'm, I need to be on more. I got used to being on the radio more. And now this one hour a week is not enough. So, uh, he, uh, so we did. And of course I haven't had very many callers, but that's okay. I just keep talking and I've covered some, some fairly good material. I had a guest the first time. So now I'm thinking about changing the name. Now here's something to talk about. Um, I was trying to think of another name for heretic something else because I don't want to keep calling it the heretics hour since it's two hours. But well, why not? And I want I to mean, keep it two hours. Good, I think. Uh, you I think, think it's it okay? I, I well, it does sound good. The it's the same. Hour, it's, it was three hours. I, I I don't see a problem with that. Well, what are, what are your listeners? What are, what are our people in the chat room here think? Do they think that it should be? I thought somebody says heretic hours, Severus. The heretic, heretic hours, that's hours. fine, too. Well, it's, it's the heretics. It's actually heretics is um, possessive plural. Heretics. Well, well, right, the heretic hours. The heretic hours. You hear heretics. <laughs> I, I thought of the heretics two hours, but that looks terrible uh, written. This, does, this doesn't look bad. Heretic the heretic hours. hours. I also thought of uh, the her- the um, the heretics hangout because you know for a call in, it's not that there's not a chat room or anything, and there won't be, but that that was, uh, but it just it doesn't quite sound like me, I don't think. And uh, now you say I like the heretics hour. Well, you know, I realized I would have to change the whole uh, intro thing and everything uh, if I change the name of the show. I, I, I just don't. I just fun. don't want to. I want people to know that it's not just one hour, and I just don't want somehow to lose that hour and put something else in there since I'm still called everything. <laughs> but that really wouldn't make any difference. So uh, maybe I'll just leave it alone. I would leave it. Uh, I mean, the original meaning of the Greek word "hora," from which we get "hour," was not sixty minutes, right? Okay. What was it? Just a short period of time. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll mention that. Sounds very uh, erudite. Right. They used it of a, a portion of the day, but it, it could be a, a longer portion of the day. Also, it wasn't necessarily sixty minutes. Well, I welcome all our all your friends here and our friends here tonight listening to uh, 
tune in on Monday night and listen. Uh, at It's from uh, 8 Central to 10, 8 Central. That's 6, uh, of course, Pacific and 9 Eastern. Um, and the second hour to call, to call and say hello. Well, well, right. Aaron has um, volunteered to put a, a YouTube together for you if you're supplying with an MP3, right, on, on Eli Weasel. Aaron did a podcast. And, and, Good. Um, he's I, always... see his, I see him here. Aaron Swartz. Yes. Okay. All right. Well. The um, for that is a go-between. I can put you in touch with him when the time comes. I'll start working on that. I'll have to write a screenplay. That'll be something right. new. Yeah. Right, and, right, and right. Uh, line well, up that, the that'll be a new thing. Line I up like the to documents. do new things. Mm-hmm. Line up the documents if yeah. you want to appear on yeah, I have lots of photographs. Oh, I, you know, I have lots of stuff that'll be good for that. So the big thing will really be uh, how I want to organize, you know, how I want to say it, the writing, the, the screenplay, right. really, and then uh, the dialogue. Uh, not dialogue, but, the, you know, the narrative. And yeah, that's then, great um, to have. I even put it on Christiania. Oh yeah, this is this is a great idea. You know, there's lots of things that are obvious that I for some reason don't think of because I'm I guess I'm not looking for more work. I'm trying to keep up with the work I have. Well, well I'm and always kind of saying, why aren't people doing this and why aren't people doing that? But the truth is, as I'm sure you know, and I always find out again, I you know to expect other people to do things that I think should be done usually is not going to happen. And if if it's going to get done, I have to do it. Um, but uh, I can do the part. I can do my part, and if Aaron does does the rest of it, then that'll that'll be great. I'm sure he and will, we'll, and it'll be wonderful. Yeah, it will be. And this is I, the way I'm to do it. I'm always trying to because, stick away uh, to get the word out, right? Yes, you are. You're well. You're you're good. You are a good. You are a good man. I you know I don't want to sound like I'm being too silly here, but I really I really get that impression strongly from you, as I'm sure all your people who listen to you do. So um, it's uh, you. You really are about the truth. You really are about the truth. Well, well, we have to. We, we, we. The time has come that we have to stand up for our race. We have to put the football games away, drop the beer, back away from the baby, um, get off of the television, and and stand up for ourselves as a race. So we're going to. Um, well, we have to fight the good fight. If we expect yeah, to help, how, how do we make it a, 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 a attractive enough? Because People are so attracted to the television and the sports and the this and the that and their and their usual life and uh it's hard to uh to keep you know I'm just a person who I get focused on something and I'm kind of obsessive now I could call you that because you certainly are totally into one thing and doing it all the time, so you know you have to have some of that obsessive quality, which really is. The ability to stick, really stick close with something and, and keep your attention on it um, in order to get anything done. So, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't follow a balanced life. <laughs> well, well, no, that's the way it is. I, I mean, I, 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 I'm not bragging. My program preparation for one Friday night program is 8 to 12 hours, right, for an hour and a half program. Going wow. through notes, doing my research, um, deciding yeah. well, what I'm going to do. Well, I have done that for one program. I have spent, I, I hate to say how many hours I've spent sometimes for some programs, and I get myself into it because I decide, well, I'm going to have to,
speak up about this, and then I have to do all this research so that I won't, you know, not know what I'm saying or make mistakes or whatever. So I end up spending a huge amount of time on some things, and other things don't want, you know, with the guests I don't have to spend as much time. Uh, but I like to just do my own show uh, often enough without a guest, and they've been some of my best ones. So it is, it's a lot of work, but I like it. So, and I'm, since I would be learning about it anyway, the good thing about being on, having radio programs I've discovered, and, and I realized at some point that I wanted to have one. And, uh, but because I wanted to talk about things that I didn't think anybody else was talking about on the radio, which was the Holocaust, revisionism. But, um, the good thing about it is that, you know, as I'm learning and studying, uh, I can then talk about it. Who wants to just learn to study and keep it all to yourself? Right. Right. <laughs> well, well, that's the way it should be. Yeah. But, well, I, yeah. I, I, I know my subject, and I still spend all day preparing for a program. I know. I know. It, so uh, you you must uh, you get really expert. Why does it take you so long since you know it? Because you have to get it all organized? Well, well when it's biblical ex- exegesis, it's you have to decide what you should talk about. You, you know, anybody could sit there and match up Bible verses. Oh, and that's what you're, that's what you're doing. Yeah, I spend a lot of time, as soon as the program is over, I spend a few days kind of in a state of, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm mixed between uh, thinking that wasn't a good enough program and, what am I going to do next time? And uh, should I do this? Should I do that? And I, all kinds of other concerns. And, and then finally, it, it starts forming in my mind what you know what I want to uh, what I can talk about, what I really want to talk about. And then there's more work goes in it from there. So you know, it's it's this all the time. You know, it's right. all the time. Some attention is being put on this stuff. Well, we'll we'll um do our best to get you out there and, and get you more exposure. It 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 needs to be done right. Uh, I mean, it's another facet, and, and um if you well, get audio together and Aaron makes a video, I'll put it on my mind comp project and and we'll put it on YouTube, right? Yeah, YouTube, YouTube. Uh, well, that I would be wonderful. That expose Eli Weasel. I would love to do that. I would love to have that page on my mind comp project. Yeah, I want to do a really good one because what we've had so far are just short things. That you know that well, people were nice, and they they put the website on there. In the beginning, there were people that came along and they were trying to do things, but then they dropped away. Uh, I don't know if I didn't treat them right or uh, or 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 what, but you know, it's it's you can't just do a little short thing uh, and get anywhere. You know, this Ellie Weasel thing is not only complicated or you know complex, but it's also he's also in like Flynn, you know. And you gotta right. you gotta really get a pry down into something that's gonna pull the whole thing up. You know, to make yeah, right. any, any and, and you have to highlight your smoking guns, right? Yeah, and, and, right. Um, right. And and I just I just recently got a smoking gun that I didn't really have before, not not where I could show it as well and put it all together as well in my last uh blog post on there, which I invite people to go and read. It's called Gigantic Fraud. Uh, carried out for Weasel uh, Nobel Prize. And some people commented, and then they were, like, just talking about Weasel not deserving the Nobel Prize. And, you know, this disappoints me because I said, and I and I, then I, I answered them, I don't want to be rude to the people who write comments on there or act like I don't appreciate their comments. You know, this whole business about, you know, public relations or whatever, gets, I, I, I don't really like it, and I'm not 
I, I tend to be too too uh, too frank or too whatever, uh, you know, not not diplomatic enough. But uh, but it's you know it's that's it's not about. I already wrote about the Nobel Prize. It's not just about him not deserving a Nobel. It's it's about the fact that that he lied about being in that photograph along with the New York Times. And the Holocaust Museum, of course, has gone along. They go along with everything. But basically, the New York Times and and Weasel and whoever he's whoever else he's working with there. Well, I know a few of them, uh, but uh, all conspired to say that he was in that photograph, that he's in that famous photograph that has put him in Buchenwald. You know, as that is right. the only. And I realize that that from the other work I've done, that that is the only document that photograph which is not him and clearly not him when you can really when you really examine it it's it the only thing that puts him into Buchenwald and it and nothing puts him into Auschwitz and he he only he goes he he's only known to be in Auschwitz because he supposedly what came to Buchenwald from Auschwitz well he can't really prove any of it and I think what I'm having fun with too is Ken Walter who has put out all kinds of silly stuff that he says, this, you know, he's writing this book, but he's not. He's he has been held up with this book uh, for several years now because I think the problem is with Ellie Weasel because he's, you know, he's he very much has come out with putting Ellie Weasel there, and Ellie Weasel is one of the boys of Buchenwald and all that, and and I really think I have created a problem for him. He won't admit that, but I think I, I I'm sure that I have. I don't see any problem coming from anywhere else. So, uh, you know, I, I'm very serious about this Ellie Weasel website, and I'm very serious, like you are, saying we're going to win. I, You know, I, I want to see his whole legend come apart. You know, I do want to see that, and it's not, it's not hate. It's not, it's, it's because I'm so, I'm so disgusted with, with him and, and what he's done. And, and to, to and, tell the truth, how could, to tell the truth, how could a love for the truth be hate? Except for those who hate the truth. Uh, I mean. Okay, there you go. <laughs> That's good. Anyway, so this 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 is what we have to do next. The video. Okay, I got it. So I got my work cut out for me. Ready to do the next big project. Wonderful. Yeah, it is. And I'm sure really... you didn't come here for projects. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always looking for a good direction, though, because sometimes I feel a little bit directionless. But I bet it doesn't take long, and I find it again. I've got some uh, some blogs I'd like to, more that I've got you know, things to write for that site. But um, I, it's not that important. I think I think getting this video up on what I've got so far is 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 making more of what this last post was. This this is really I think good stuff. And I got emails from right right away from the people who really know and understand Ellie Weasel. And they said, that's an excellent post, you know, good, great work, good for you. Um, but most people, aren't. I don't think they're fully recognizing how good it is. <laughs> what, you know, and, and, and I don't take credit for it. Well, I do take credit for it, but also there's this fellow who sent me, has been sending me material and sent me these good photographs, which without this quality photograph that he sent me, I couldn't have, I couldn't have made this case like I did. So, um, so there, there are, there's somebody who's, he's, he's a guy, I don't even know his name as I've said, but he's a guy who's done a lot of help. He doesn't seem to want to be known. Um, uh, but, uh, 
you know, I really appreciate that. And it's, isn't it wonderful when you get people? When you, there's so few, but you get some people who are really helping you behind the scenes. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's that's what I was, you know, hoping for when I got this thing started. But um, so we'll do it. We'll we'll get that. We'll get that weasel. We're gonna get him. <laughs> I, I like to pronounce it weasel. <laughs> okay. Well, that's how it is pronounced. It's been wonderful. Not Weasel. Don't say Weasel. That a lot of people say that is not right. Uh, oh, even, I just even say he weasel. admitted it wasn't right. Hmm? I just like to say Weasel. Well, that's how it's pronounced. It may be a little bit like these. It's actually Weasel, Weasel. But it's the word. It's the spelling is. It's the word for Weasel. I mean, that's what it, that's what his name, his family name means. What well, what was the Weasel? Yeah. That, that's what they are. Yeah, it's it. Carolyn, thank you, and and it's been wonderful, and and uh, I appreciate you being here, and and maybe I'll see you again someday soon. Yeah, well, I appreciate being here. I thank you very much. You've been an an excellent host, and uh, I'll be happy to come back again sometime. This has been the longest I've ever been talking. Ah, though. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. Right, thank good you. night. Good night. Bye-bye. Praise Yahweh. This is William Fink, ChristaGetia.org. I will be here on Friday with Matthew chapter 28 and ChristaGetia on TalkShoe. And, and next Saturday's ChristaGetia Saturday program is, of course, I'll be here, Yahweh willing, and, and I don't know the topic yet. It will be announced. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and good night. Praise Yahweh.